Superman. Captain Marvel. Batman. It is 1985. Robin of Earth 2. Sergeant Rock. The Legion of Superheroes. This is the most eagerly awaited comic book event in 50 years. Tommy Tomorrow. Jonah Hex. Commandy. It will one day be called the greatest comic book event of all time. Swamp Thing. Wonder Woman. The New Teen Titans. The Haunted Tank. Infinity Incorporated. Worlds will live. Green Arrow. Worlds will die. Supergirl. The Flash. And that is only the beginning. The Justice League of America. The All-Star Squadron. The Huntress. Arian. The Metal Man. Firestorm. The Nuclear Man. The Outsiders. Green Lantern. The Blue Beetle. The Crime Syndicate. Warlord. The Guardians of the Universe. Tales of the Justice Society of America proudly presents... And many, many more. Crisis on Infinite Earths. The DC Universe will never be the same. Only at twotruefreaks.com. The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. Oh no! What would we do now? R2D2, you found a cigarette! Well, I don't think smoking has grown up at all. Don't be so ridiculous, R2. Thunder rules are for Earthlings. <coughs> All you need is a little rewiring, but children need to be fully immunized. I'm Jawa. Want my droid? Sure, what you got? Wampa, wampa, wampa! We picked up something. It's the Millennium Falcon. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Two True Freaks presents. Growing up Star Wars. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Growing Up Star Wars number five, our big five issue. I'm Chris Honeywell and I am here with my co-host Scott Rifen. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What is, what, number five is, we're too late, kid. It, we're finished. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the too Death late. Star's bearing down on us. <laughs> yeah, blowing up chunks of the roof. We're too late, kid. It's finished. No, it's too late, kid. We're finished. That's what it is. Yep, they decided to end the, the adaptation one issue early. He's got to worry about that with Marvel Comics. And, as you heard that chuckle, Scott Gardner's here, too. How, how did I get bumped to the number three seat? How the hell did that happen? 
Yo, you'll get your chance. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought this was all in deference to last month when I was the odd man out. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, we, yeah, we might, yeah, the pecking order might have to get adjusted every show. So all right, this is bullshit, man, because I already been run out of town on a rail over on back to the bins, and now it's happening. What? What am I slipping? <laughs> did you? Did, did, you must did be you showing some sign of weakness. I guess. Yeah. Did you not run yourself out of town on a rail on back to the bins? Yeah, but it makes a better story if I say it the other way. Oh, oh gotcha, right. gotcha. Yeah, we're jazzed up this month because it's been a big, it's been a big Star Wars week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel Star Wars number one has come out, and uh, and we're gonna talk about it today. We're raring to talk about it, but before we start talking about that, we have to we have to dispense with all our formalities, which is gonna be fun, right, guys? Oh yeah, huh? absolutely. We've got our usual sections. We've got our Star Wars show and tell, which sounds vaguely obscene, <laughs> but I'm guaranteeing you it won't be. And, well, no, uh, wasn't, it wasn't Star Wars show and tell. Yeah, Star Wars show and tell is uh, yeah something kept best kept between you and your doctor, I'm sure. <laughs> Although that sounds like a new TV show, you know, Star, you know, Warts of the. You know, rich and famous <laughs> of the old republic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and we'll be having the ever popular Journal of the Wills, and then, yes, and, and then, and then, we've been teasing you with our opinion for the last week and a half, or since it came <laughs> out. Marvel Star Wars number one came out this week with a million copies sold in a hundred covers, and only one man can stop them. <laughs> we we literally have listeners that are on pins and needles about this shit, so I love it. So let's wait so, to good, the very end of the episode to do let's, that. Yeah, let's <laughs> drag this out as far as we can. Milk it for every little drop we can. Ah, uh, 2015 is going to be a good year, guys. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Who wants to go first? I will, because Scott, believe it or not, with he absolutely no way of knowing this whatsoever, kind of touched a little bit upon my show and tell. Ooh. My oh, show and tell. Do that. <laughs> my show and tell is literally the shirt on my back. I finally got me a copy of the red t-shirt that has Star Wars number five on the front. The cover to Star Wars number five. Wow. (laughs) That says on it, you've got, I got to paint a picture for anybody that might not know. You've got the Death Star looking like, kind of like Brother Eye or something up in the, up in the sky above the rebel base. And it's firing lasers down (laughs) that are taking chunks out of the top of the rebel base. It says Luke Skywalker strikes again. You've got Luke very looking very much like Thunder the Barbarian running in from the the left side of the page. Chewie's right behind him, actually pointing his uh, blaster at the back of Luke's head, which is very funny. Luke's saying, "Hurry, Chewbacca! We're being attacked by the Death Star!" And you've got Han going, "It's too late, kid. We're finished." <laughs> <laughs> I love this cover. It's so ridiculous. Nothing like that ever happens in the movie, but I just it's one of my favorite covers. I just love it. Love it, love and it. And you know what's cool? What's that? When I met you guys, yes. I was wearing a shirt. Yes. I know. That's why I've wanted it ever since. <laughs> wow, all the planets are aligning. I know. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Fifth episode. Scored this sucker for less than five bucks, shipping included, on eBay. How about that? 
What? Yep. Of course, it's an extra small, but still. <laughs> I have it on my feet. <laughs> it's a glove. Oh, yeah. Got to do something with it. I'm just no, loving... I love that we, you know, we're in this time where you can actually find Marvel Star Wars merch. I just, I love that. It's awesome, and I'm trying my level best find to it. buy you it as it's coming out. It. Yeah, yeah, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting the Star Wars merch. It, Star Wars it, it's we're really just in general merch is like going like nerd merch is is definitely been recognized because when I go to Joanne Fabrics. And, you know, I mean, there's been Star Wars and Star Trek stuff cropping up there for for the last few years. But when I can see micro big bolts of micro fleece blanket with mm-hmm. walking dead zombie heads on it, <laughs> I know something's going on. Wow. No, I just yeah. I love this. I think this is so I, cool. That is a great shirt. I love that shirt. I'm so glad you got it. I I, I wore it that day at the convention. You didn't get mine, did you? <laughs> I gotta check my closet now. My wife's been going through there. You never know. <laughs> Get rid of this thing. Five dollars shipping included. I don't care. Um, the the day I went to the uh, the con to to Star Wars Celebration and you guys were doing your panel, I said to myself because we had you know we mapped out everything we were going to do. I'm going to that Marvel Star Wars thing and I'm going to sit up front and I'm going to wear my Marvel Star Wars shirt. And if they start making fun of it, yeah. it's going to be on. Those bastards <laughs> are going to see. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, not only does stuff like this exist that, you know, now that I, I, I own it, I have it, I, it's my size, I can wear it because, you know, I, I, I just, I love this stuff and I love being able to, to show that geek hood, you know, because up till then, you know, up till I got this shirt, the only other one that I had that was specifically, you know, a cover, a full cover image from the series was one that the Leylands had sent me quite a while back. And it was like a, you know, it was hot pink for one. And it was like a women's small or something. So, you know, other than the bar, when the hell am I ever going to wear it? You know, so it was nice to have, but, you know, just not me. So, you know, now other I've got this one. Bar. <laughs> that does, it just it opens up my mind to all the activities you're engaging in at the bar now. <laughs> He's wearing hot pink women's shirts at the bar. <laughs> hey, I've got I've got my Star Wars leggings on right now. No, no. So what do you guys got? What's your show and tell? Well, I don't. I, let me go ahead and do mine because I think Chris is going to be better than mine. Ooh, save better for last. Um, I recently acquired. You know, and we were talking before we got started how you, you, every so often you just kind of go through Amazon and make sure you got everything you need. Right. And you start searching, flipping around, and I saw that Disney is issuing. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, read-along storybooks and CDs. You know, kind of like we talked about on an episode of this program. Right. And they had a third, a fourth one that was a Star Wars Rebels one called Ezra's Wookiee Rescue. And I I ordered everything. And I have no idea whether or not those Star Wars read-alongs are the originals. I'm hoping they are, because I'd love to have a clean digital copy of them. Right. But I don't know. I have no idea. But uh, I did get the Ezra one, and it is, it's got the original cast, which I thought was neat. And uh, it is on CD, and it's, it's just a neat little 
it's a great little throwback to the old days of those those uh, storybook and records, except now it's on CD, which I, I was stunned they would even go so far as to make a CD at this point. Right, right, right. You know, it's like a book and thumb drive or something. But uh, <laughs> they did, and uh, I'm looking forward to, I think next month is when Star Wars A New Hope comes out. It is. It's February 10th, and then The Empire Strikes Back is out March 10th, and Return of the Jedi. Any guesses? Any guesses? April 10th? April 7th. So, <laughs> so you're but, thinking uh, that these could possibly be new adaptations? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm that not, would be cool. I'm though. Not sure. I, either way, it would be cool. I'd love to have the classic ones, but if they're not, I still think it would be neat to have. Do you think they but could the, possibly be the story of records? No, I don't. I I don't because I just because they're going to follow along with a book word for word. And oh I don't think yeah, those whole things like that. Those were so dialogue heavy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just don't know that they would go there. But I could be wrong. Again, I have no idea. I really don't. I'm excited about the prospect of there's some cool new Star Wars thing coming out that I haven't read, you know, unlike Marvel Star Wars number one, where I haven't read every single thing about every microbe that's come near it. Right. Um, well, so are these marketed yeah. as like a children's product on the on the website? Yeah, yeah they're, okay. They're, they're read-along book and CDs. Okay, so just that... Like, just that, like the old days. That makes me think that it probably wouldn't be the story of them because I, I can't remember about Empire or Jedi, but I know that the original story of for Star Wars included the part where Han goes, uh, what the hell are you doing? So I can't imagine Disney putting that out, you know, as a read along for children. You know? Right, right. Uh, well, but they did. Didn't as they wind up with they wound up with the rights to all three of those originally, didn't they? I know they reshoot uh... Empire Strikes Back themselves. Right, but what yeah, I mean though is, I mean, we released all the story ones, yeah. But I mean, the, the read along was like for the little little kids, so it yeah, wasn't going oh, to include any language or anything. So in they there. wouldn't print. What the hell are you doing? Right. right. Yeah, that, re <laughs> that reminds me of when Garrison was five years old and we had visited <laughs> over, and he said he he literally went up to a friend of mine, a college friend of mine, and said with his little tiny five year old voice, he said, "I I just wanted to tell you that um, I I'm not supposed to say it, but I." I can't say it. I'm not supposed to. So I, I'm not supposed to say, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so, well, guess what? You just did, kid. That's funny. Uh, now, is that from Star Wars? Or was he quoting Star no, Wars? No, oh, okay. no, I don't know what that came from, to be honest with you. I have no idea what it came from. <laughs> I shutting him down on certain aspects of the language. And, uh, and now, I, I don't know if you guys have heard any of the Dinner for Geek stuff, but lately, you know, he's 17. Right. He'll be 18 in seven months. And he called me up the other day and said, Hey, uh, I was looking through Netflix and uh, they've got this movie, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. I'm like, yeah. It's like, got Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. I'm like, yeah. It's just rated R. I said, yeah. He goes, Can I watch it? I'm like, You're 17. You don't have to call me for permission to watch an R rated movie at this point. <laughs> you can go see them by yourself. And he's been doing that to me lately a lot. Can I, can I watch this? I was like, You are 17. That's when you go, I don't know, can you? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this weekend he has gone to Region Band and he drove there himself and is spending the night there. So it's uh, nerve-wracking for everybody. In, in, in just a few months, he'll be able to watch real adult movies if he wants to. <laughs> With Dad. With, yeah, great. That would, yeah, that's, a, <laughs> no, that's an awkward that's, bonding moment. Yes, it is. You know, my dad, my, when, Cinem when the Friday After Dark started on Cinemax, that my dad and my brother, my brother was six years older than I am, my dad and my brother would sit and watch those movies together, and it just was, it was creepy then. Yeah. I had an awkward Cinemax moment with my grandfather. 
that, you know, nobody knew uh, watching Cinemax and it turned into like, you know, sex around the world. And my grandfather wanted, did the thing where he's like, I don't want to turn this off and make a big deal out of it. And it, it was some it was some guy getting soaked up by a lot of nice naked Asian lady. And my grandfather looked at me and goes, I wouldn't mind that. I just wouldn't want to get any soap in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can tell my now. Do you want to hear my Cinemax Star Wars related stories? Sure. Star Wars? Oh, no. I've told this recently on Dinner for Geeks, but it's absolutely 100 percent true story. Um, when I was when to Return of the Jedi came out, spring of '86 on VHS, and my I was desperate. I knew when it came out. I, Let's go down there. We'll get a second VCR. We'll dub it off, and I'll have my own copy of Return of the Jedi. And that was my thing. And I was like, for weeks, I was waiting on Return of the Jedi to come out. And I ran down to the store, and I got it, rented it. Uh, you know, beat the crowds. And uh, made a copy of it. But the thing is, Return of the Jedi originally was two hours and 12 minutes. And so you, you couldn't put it on a two-hour tape unless right. you went to LP mode. So I went to LP mode, two hours, 12 minutes. And, uh, and, and you know, the rest of the tape was, was empty, was blank. And, you know, I'm 15. My parents go out to dinner one night. And I'm going, you know, I know that there's something going on on Cinemax on Friday nights. Mom and Dad are out to dinner. So what I'll do is I'll sneak uh, in here and quietly record something on the rest of the Return of the Jedi tape and then check it out and see what it is. At my convenience, yes. Yeah, smart. Yeah, so I slipped it in there. The next yeah. week they go out to dinner again and I start... talking. Yeah. The, the next week they go out to dinner again and I put the tape in and I start flipping through the Cinemax movie. And all of a sudden I realize my parents have obviously forgotten something. They have come back almost immediately as I've got this thing going. And they walk in the door as I'm popping it out of the VCR. And they're like, what are you doing? Said, so, oh, I, I'm, I was watching. See, Return of the Jedi. My tape is labeled. So it turns out, well, well, what are you doing now? Well, I'm taking it to my room. Well, why are you taking it to your room? Because, and I go into my room and I throw it. I had a, uh, a filing cabinet. And I threw it in a filing cabinet. And I locked the filing cabinet, which, by the way, is not a way to look like you're not up to something. Right. <laughs> Just, you know, tips and pointers. It's for kind of the things. exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I go off with my friends one day and I come back in the afternoon and my mom comes in the bedroom. She goes, "Hey." I said, what? She goes, do you want to see something? And I said, oh. what? <laughs> Your dad's in the living room watching The Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. What, what is this? Like, Come on, don't you want to go watch The Return of the Jedi with him? <laughs> and so I go in there, and he's watching the movie that's on the back half of my Return of the Jedi tape. And my mom is just ridiculing me, which is great, by the way, which is what you do for a young teenage boy. Um, so Builds they, character. Uh, yeah, exactly. They all got a big laugh out of it and then erased the entire tape, oh. Return of the Jedi and all, as my punishment. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> and you never got to watch it, even. Uh, well, I got to watch Return of the Jedi. I didn't get to watch The Return of the Jedi. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which particular skin movie was this, anyway? have no clue. At, back then, I knew nothing about them. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I just knew it was on, and I recorded it. Fifty percent odds if it was on Cinemax, it had Ursula Andress in it. <laughs> or Ursula Undress, as we called her in high Ursula school. Ursula Undress, or Sylvia Crystal, she could have been in it. Yep, or Piazzadora. There was a lot of Piazzadora. Oh. I hope it wasn't a really good one, like like Looker or um, Looker. Uh, what the was the Lonely Lady? What was no, that? Looker, yeah, the Lonely Lady was Piazzadora. Looker was Albert Finney. Yeah, but it had lots of naked in it. Um, Did it have that was the, PG what was the one about what was the Michael Crichton story about? Yeah, that was PG. That was Life Force. Like, Remember Life Force? Maybe 
I love yeah, the Night Force had a lot of nudity yeah, in it too. Yeah. Night Force was rated R, yeah. Space yeah. vampires, yeah. Yeah. Sex space vampires. <laughs> Sex space vampires. Toby Hooper. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my that's my Cinemax Star Wars related tale. How about Aww. that? It's <laughs> that'll do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what do you mean if I listen to Dinner for Geeks? I, I listen. I'm a, I'm a faithful listener. I'm a little behind because the feed uh-huh. got uh, got backed up there. for There was a clog in the feed drain there for a Ooh. while, but I'm, I'm getting yeah. caught up. We used a little X-Lax, and it's all good to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen on a dinner show. You know? Everything's running smooth now. This podcast yeah. needs an enema. Solid. <laughs> it's smooth and solid these days. Well... <laughs> Follow I don't that. know how mine's going to follow <laughs> all these all these great great masturbation euphemisms, but we'll see how we can do here. Um, I have two items, and they were mystery, but uh, since when I was I was eyeballing them and I found the mark on them of their manufacturer, and these are Hasbro items, mm-hmm. and I picked these up separately at garage sales, I think a couple years apart. They're they're marked 2005. They were made, and they're just the oddest Star Wars. They're maybe not the oddest Star Wars toys because I do have French Kiss Jar Jar Binks candy. Yes, that but, is. Odd. But um, it's Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader both riding chopper motorcycles, <laughs> and uh, Evil Knievel style. Oh, nice! Except they don't have the you know they're not run by the the they stick. The SST thing? They're not SST. They have, like, the friction wheels, so you have to rev them up and then put them down. And then I don't have a good enough flat straightaway in my house. My house has too much carpeting. But uh, someday I'll have to take them outside and see how they go. But it's just that Luke is in his full, you know, X-Wing outfit. He's got R2 mounted in the back, riding bitch on the <laughs> on his Harley. And it's a very... It's got it's got sort of X-wing um, lasers mounted on the side of it. Darth Vader's is really cool. Darth Vader's has a sh- uh, a windshield that d- isn't really functional because it's below his head, but it's shaped like a um, you know the window to a, a Tie Fighter. Oh, he's gonna get bugs in his grill. That's that's messed up. And uh, and all the yeah yeah. And all the um, it's it, it looks a, more like a he's Captain America suck a shield. fly right, right in the, into his respirator. <laughs> and uh, the wheel, you know, the the wheel guards, the splash guards on all the wheels look like Tie Fighter wings, except they look like Darth Vader's Tie Fighter wings. You know, they're the sort of bent inward. Ones and I might mention that they both have lightsabers in their hands. Of course. So there. So I imagine they're meant to be revved up and then launched at each other. That is <laughs> not nice. safe while you're driving at all. No. Kids do not attempt this at home. But it's one of those. It's one of those Star Wars toys that I'm like, all right, this one is completely. I I guess you know I have one of the old SST vans from '77 that's just a a black '70s van with Star Wars painted on it, but you know this has the characters you know riding down the road like Dennis Hopper and uh, Peter Fonda, basically. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my show and tell. Ain't bad. Nice. Thank you. Still trying to find pictures of it on the web. I can't find it. 
they're that combination of really cool and goofy. Because it's like, okay, this, you know, this would never happen in Star Wars. Not with the wheels, you know. They would, they, they would be nice speeder bikes. Right. But they're yeah. obviously, you know, they're obviously chopper motorcycles. Now, that, that I would like to see in a movie. Like a jousting type of thing on speeder bikes with like a, like a light saber or like a light jousting pole yeah. or something. That'd be cool. Because there was a, a sequence in, it was one of the games... Was it, it might have been uh, Shadows of the Empire? I forget. There was, there was a part where you're on a speeder bike being pursued by Ravager guys or whatever they were called, and they're all on swoop bikes. Yeah, that probably is Shadows. That's really where swoop guys got their start. But the thing, is, the thing I remember, though, is that you specifically had a lightsaber. So maybe there were two. Maybe there was a mission in Shadows, and then there was another one in, in one of those, like, Jedi, uh, the Jedi Knight games or something. But I, I, I can right. specifically remember a level where you're on a speeder bike being pursued, and your weapon was a lightsaber. So you actually got to, like, you know, they'd come up alongside you, and you'd, like, hack their bike or something like that, you know, to, to make them, you know, fly off their bike or spin out of control or something. But it was that was really cool. I remember that. I, I just can't remember what game it was, but it was a really good level. Whatever game it was. All right, I found them. They are exactly as you described, Chris. <laughs> it is weird, but they're exactly as you described. Cool. Stunning. All right, we're going to will it up, boys. Let's do it. Our topic for Journal of the Wills is your, since we're talking about Marvel Star Wars this month, your top three moments from the original Marvel Star Wars run. Did I get that right? I think Chris fell asleep or something. <laughs> Honeywell, well, wake up! Oh, I'm, 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 an, I'm just moronically on, on you. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, yes, no, no, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> oh wait, hey, there's a Boba Fett of those motorcycles as well. <gasps> yes. Now, Fett on a motorcycle, I'd actually like to see that in one well, of the I'd films. Like, I'd like to see it. They must have themed the, the motorcycle like um, Slave One too. I'm sure. I was exactly what I was about to say. It is very much a Slave One looking motorcycle. Does he have leather chaps? Uh, he does not have leather chaps. But he looks like he's wearing Converse's, though. Is he, now, does he have an arm, like a free arm that he's swinging a gun or something? Yeah, he's got a, he's got his Boba Fett rifle. Boba Fett's outlaw chopper. Ooh. <laughs> How about that? Does he have his backpack on? Because that would be mighty uncomfortable if you couldn't rest back, you know, on the, yes, on the yes, sissy Yes, he does bar. have his backpack on, oh, in fact. what a pain but in the ass. It's also a quick eject in case you need it, though. So. That's right. This is true. That's right. <laughs> Think about these things before you ask these questions, Mitch. <laughs> he's the most, he's actually the most evil, he's the most biker of all of them, so. Yeah. It's the most sense. Maybe there'll be a 3PO one, too. I don't know, man. I'd, like I'd, I'd argue maybe maybe Dengar, because he looks like maybe he's wrapped up from like a bad case of road rash. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right. Yeah. Just one too many look... spills. You know. Three PO would have the little tassel sticking out of the end of his grip. <laughs> yeah, a card, <laughs> a, a, a playing card in his coat. A little basket on the front. Yeah. yeah. A little <laughs> bell. Ting 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 ting. Now, 3PO, don't ride too close to the road. Yes, mother. That's that's good. I'm glad we were able to make the something, come up with something even sillier. <laughs> <laughs> These things. I'm 
just waiting for the Yoda one now. So we oh, should... a Yoda one, yeah. I'm, I'm very surprised. Reach the pedals, I cannot. Yeah, yeah. He's got like shoe boxes, like connected <laughs> to his feet to run the, the gears and pedals. <laughs> <laughs> did we mention? Did we mention Marvel Star Wars? All right, top three Marvel Star Wars moments. All right, number three. Yes. When the series began to just before the empire strikes back <laughs> number two just post the empire strikes back to just before return of the jedi starts i really like that era a lot and uh yeah, good, number one just after return of the jedi has ended but but just a little bit before the series itself was canceled just a little bit something tells me you didn't put a lot into this hey episode. now I had to really think about this. You put a, there's a lot of issues in that list. Yeah, and there's a lot of issues living inside Scott Gardner too. But we'll talk about that later. I'd say you encompassed about eighty of the hundred and seven issues. Yes, and you know exactly which ones I skipped over. I, see, we're on the same wavelength entirely. Mister Rifen, I I trust you've put together a much more uh, I did substantial hey, now. list. I chose three actual That took me six months. hours to come up with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know. You did good. I don't think I'll admit that. Uh, but everybody gets a medal, Scott. It's okay. <laughs> uh, my three, and again, I, I went for moments. Actual moments. Not stories. Not storylines. Not characters. But actual moments. And in no particular order, Luke versus Darth Vader in the Crystal Forest. Uh, Luke doesn't know it's not Darth Vader, but that's okay. Because we all thought it was Darth Vader, and it was the first time, really, unless you were you know, a big kid and could read novels, uh, it was the first time many of us saw Luke and Darth Vader having an actual confrontation. I'll be discussing that in great length later on in this episode. And, <laughs> and it was quite epic. Uh, the second one on my list is the reveal of Shira Bree in the Bacta mm-hmm. Tank. We have just, we learned, we went through the entire ringer of we like her, we know Luke likes her, we know she likes Luke, we know she's dead, we know Luke killed her, holy crap, she's a bad guy, and then after all of that plays out, we find out not only all of that, but she's alive and she'll be back one day. Mm -hmm. And then the third one on my list is an epic conclusion to an issue where Chewbacca blasts Solo right in the chest in the arena at the wheel. And that's pretty much how the episode ends. Because they're in a they're in a battle with the gladiators to the death, and it comes down to the two of them, and Solo says, look, you got to do it. You got to shoot me. So Chewie says, okay, here you go. Boom. Okay, boss. Yep. <laughs> and shoots him. And that is the end of the issue for them. And uh, just an absolute wonderful way to leave off an issue in the middle of an epic story from that series. So those would be my three favorite moments. That one, that one actually stuck with me for a while because you know how it was. You'd go to different convenience stores. You didn't have a comic shop. So you'd kind of go around trying to find issue, the next right. issue, that kind of thing. Well, I couldn't get the next issue for forever. So, I mean, Solo was just dead. And I couldn't do anything about it because I couldn't find the next issue where I knew he had to come back. And I knew there had to be a, a, a trick up here somehow. But I could not find that next issue. Eventually, I did get it, by the Till way. last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm resting easy. <laughs> All right. Number three is the moment when, when Marvel decided to 
make a character a giant rabbit because they really didn't know where they were going and they just decided to go for it. And I and you know, you, you throw things against the wall in the beginning and when stuff sticks and when stuff doesn't, you work with it. And and yep. they did a really good job of doing that. And that was just some stuff that got thrown against the wall that I like. All right, number two <laughs> is when uh, Jack's on the rabbit introduces himself as a lepus carnivorous because A, fuck you, I love Jack's on the rabbit. <laughs> and B... Because, yeah, it's a green rabbit, but he's also stating that he's a meat eater and that he will kill you. He will kill you. And people go, oh, rabbits are blah, 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 blah. These people have obviously never read Watership Down. They don't really know nothing about rabbits, so they shouldn't be talking any smack against Jackson. <laughs> All right. And number one is Don Juan Key. No, just kidding. It's... <laughs> It's Jackson the rabbit again. Yes! At the end of that story, what does Jackson do? He gets the girl. He does. Amazing. He gets the girl. He not only, like, he's a rabbit. You know, rabbits are known for being sexually promiscuous. <laughs> but he doesn't only get the girl. They're a couple after that. Yep. She, she's, she's with the rabbit. She's hooked. Because you know why? Once you go Jax, you never go back. <laughs> That's my top three. All just for that line. <laughs> just so I can say that. I thought you were going to make some rabbit dying joke. Nope. Uh, oh, wow. Just poke that bear, man. Just poke that bear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That was a good list. And I also knew it would be a faster way to get into the main part of the show. If anybody wants a, uh, a slightly more informative and, and slightly more serious take on what Chris and I really thought, <laughs> go back and listen to uh, Star Wars Monthly Monday, because we, we, we covered this subject before, so that's why I was, uh, yes. I was, a, little, um, I was a little brief on mine. <laughs> Just for the record, I don't want them to think, well, the guy who didn't do it before didn't know better than to come up with no, that. No, it was my idea. No, it was all me. <laughs> all right. So, all right, here we go. The meat and potatoes of the episode. Marvel Comics Star Wars number one was released on January 14th, 2015. Exactly 37 years, nine months, and two days since the last time around. Carried an insultingly wow. high wow. price of $4.99, which I'd like to point out, uh, and Alan Middleton would probably tell you the same thing, is 16.6333 infinity times more expensive than its 1977 <laughs> counterpart. <laughs> this issue was offered with a ridiculous number of multiple covers, including a painted recreation of the original 1977 issue by Alex Ross, the only one I actually Beautiful. gave a shit about, and uh, the only one I didn't get because it's ridiculously expensive. Yeah, it was, it's hundreds of dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. I really didn't oh, want that, I had that, a chance though. to get it for $25. Oh, you bastard, you should have bought it. Oh, well, it, was, it was on eBay weeks uh, ago, you know. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out. Maybe one of these days. Whatever, I, you know. Yeah, I, 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 to, to me, I thought to myself, it's beautiful, but I don't want to get caught up in that. You, you know, I'm, I was, to me, I'm gonna go the old man purist, and I'm like, all I really want to do is walk into a store and buy Marvel Star Wars right. number one, the the Joe cover that was meant. You know, that's here it is. This is the 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 cover of Star Wars number one that we designed, and. 
Um, I did. Although I did order the Jackson cover from eBay, uh, it has not come yet, but it's on its way. Just because Jackson. Well, that was the other thing. Is you know, I I, I actually bought it. Well, I'll go into my story about the one that I got, but uh, I, I bought it as a pack, right? Because it was a right. special deal at my comic shop, and uh, one of the variant covers that was in there was actually the only variant cover I really liked was the uh, the one that has Jackson on the cover. Now, Scott and I differ somewhat on the intent and the meaning and the coolness factor of that, but I, I tend to side with, I think it's nice just that he's there. Whether their intention was to take a, a, a mean, you know, dig at him or not, I, regardless, he's he made it. He's there on the cover. I, I like that, you know, despite whatever their intentions may be uh, with that whole thing. So anyway, the issue proper... Um, it's called Skywalker Strikes, at least his first chapter is. is written by Jason Aaron with art by John Cassidy. And the issue starts just like one of the movies, which I actually liked. I thought that was cool. Did you hear the music in your head? I was you listening were... to the soundtrack, so... <laughs> but yeah, okay. I, I would have regardless. So, so he did hear the music in his head. You know, so you gotta... You know, the first page is entirely black with just, you know, the classic uh, lettering of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You turn the page, two-page splash page of the word Star Wars. And then after that, we actually get a new crawl, which I thought was pretty cool. So it says book one, rather than episode, book one. Skywalker strikes. It is a period of renewed hope for the Rebellion. The evil Galactic Empire's greatest weapon, the Death Star, has been destroyed by the young Rebel pilot Luke Skywalker. With the Imperial forces in disarray, the Rebels look to press their advantage by unleashing a daring offensive throughout the far reaches of space, hoping to defeat the Empire once and for all, and at last restore freedom to the galaxy. A vessel looking very much like a space-going version of Jabba's sail barge from Return of the Jedi approaches and receives landing clearance to land on Moon one a Corellian industrial complex, where it is met by the snobbish Imperial overseer Agadeen, a squad of stormtroopers, and what appears to be the bounty hunter for Lam. The ramp lowers and outmarches the official emissary of his high exaltedness, Jabba the Hutt, one Han Solo, flanked by two members of the Hutt's Guardsmen's Guild and the Astromech R2-D2. Han and crew are on Simon one under the guise of being negotiators sent by Jabba to work out a deal to be raw materials suppliers to the Imperial War Machine. Of course, that's not what they're really there for, and they quickly go into action taking out the Stormtrooper escort. Securing the location of the main power core from Agadine, Han and his two guards, who are actually Luke and Leia, move to phase two of their plan. While Han, Leia, and R2 set about rigging the core to blow, Luke, who's supposed to be on lookout duty, wanders off and finds a cage full of alien slaves. After a brief tussle with their light whip-wielding jailer, Luke frees the slaves and tells them to follow him. Back at the power core, Han and Leia have completed their sabotage and have time for a brief little exchange in which Leia thanks him for putting his neck out for the Alliance, but then proceeds to grill him on why exactly would he do such a thing. Han is saved by the bell, though, when Luke and his charges show up and Han agrees to bring them along. It's time to go. Han signals C-3PO and the waiting Millennium Falcon to engage the autopilot and come pick them up along with Chewbacca, who is on sniper-slash-lookout duty in the tower overlooking the central landing platform. It is from this perch that Chewie spots and informs Han of an approaching Imperial shuttle. A shuttle which lands and disgorges, do I really have to say it? Darth Vader. Han tells Chewbacca not to fire at Vader for fear of alerting the entire factory to their presence, but Leia overrides him, ordering Chewie to take the shot. 
The Wookiee fires, but Vader senses the action, whirls, and deflects the blast. Chewie opens up on Vader, but the Dark Lord seizes two stormtroopers with the Force and holds them in front of him to act as human shields. Chewie takes out all the accompanying troopers, leaving Vader alone and exposed. He lines up a headshot, but before he can pull the trigger, Vader gestures and brings the entire tower structure that the Wookiee is standing in crashing down. Vader senses the presence of the one who destroyed the Death Star. The alarms go off and Han knows they're in trouble. He calls 3PO on his comlink again, but the droid says that he did engage the autopilot already, but nothing happened. The Falcon, which has been resting in a large local garbage pit for cover, is now being disassembled by local scavengers and it can't take off. Han and the gang are discovered by the stormtroopers and beat a hasty firefight retreat where they stumble into a hangar containing Imperial AT-ATs. Han orders everyone aboard, intent on stealing one of the walkers. As they board, Leia realizes that Luke is missing. The young hero, intent on facing the man who killed his father, who killed his mentor, Ben Kenobi, wanders the corridors of the station, receiving advice from his disembodied master. Obi-Wan tells him to listen to me carefully. And as Luke turns, lightsaber at the ready, he finds himself face to face with the Dark Lord of the Sith, as Kenobi says simply, run. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> I, as I said to you guys before we got started, I've got a ton of notes. So does somebody else want to go first, or do you want me to run with this bad boy? Uh, yeah, we may never get it back if we don't run first. That's, that's a good point, sir. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, here's here's I'm going to say a few things. One, I think it was done with great love of the source material of Star Wars itself. Mm-hmm. I think they were very, very trying very hard to get it right. If they weren't, they wouldn't have done. I mean, look, I used to fantasize about Star Wars comics starting with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then the Star Wars and then the crawl. Mm-hmm. And then they open up, you know, in space with a, with what looks like maybe a tilt and a spaceship coming overhead, obviously an homage. Yep, yep, with a little bit four. of just like dialogue, you know, background dialogue going. It, it, it really paints the picture. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the art starts off really, really good. I have to say, as it progresses, it, John Cassidy's got a reputation, if I'm not mistaken, for being uh, a guy who doesn't adhere to schedules very often. And obviously, this is something that Marvel's very bent on happening, is that this book remained on schedule. And it looks to me like by the end of it, he was just throwing some stuff on there. The scene, the shot, and it's a full-page shot, uh, of Vader getting off the shuttle is one of the worst Star Wars comic panels I have seen in many a decade. Uh, The stormtroopers look awful. Vader looks unthreatening. Uh, I'm... The more I look at those stormtroopers, the worse they look to me. It, it looks like a picture that's meant to have text above. It looks like a, a a reject of a cover. It looks like it's meant to have text above and below it, and the net and you know the blank space. Yeah, it's the, very. It's just very flat and awkward and lifeless. Yeah, very flat. That's the one thing. In fact, the stormtroopers lining up the the, the look- row that he walks through, they almost remind me of the construction walls at Disney World. You know, they look like they're meant to shield him from seeing something else. They're just one big flat mass. Please pardon our dust, Lord Vader. They're a piece of plywood with some with some stormtroopers painted on it. We're, we're enhancing this area for your future enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my underwear says. <laughs> there were a lot of attempts. I, I tell you, I don't like the light whip showing up in the dungeon because I think the light whip was a great reveal when it took place originally. 
and it, it's it's almost like in Star in comics and in literature they they weigh in the old EU one of the things they way overdid was carbon freezing. Mm-hmm. In the Empire Strikes Back, when they carbon froze Solo, it was with an air of you know I don't know we don't really do this kind of it thing. It was yeah that could kill them, and then all of a sudden in the EU they're carbon freezing people left and right. Oh, you better carbon freeze him quick before he gets away. Carbon freeze that one too. Uh, and the, the light whip shouldn't be that common to me. It, it should be something that's that's reserved for somebody who's much more formidable than just some dungeon guard. Right, right. In the, in the overall, and what, the other thing I will say is the star of modern comics, I think, is greatly overlooked these days, is the colorist. People don't tend to think about how great the coloring has gotten now that they've gone to Photoshop. Right. The, the, Things just have more texture. They look better. They look more realistic. And it's not necessarily the art is getting better. And I think this is a great example of that. Uh, although Cassidy does, uh, it, the shots of the ad at towards the end are stunning. It's it's funny. Uh, I'm going to have something to say about, about that too. But the color really, to me, is one of the things that brings a lot of these books to life. And this is this is one of those. Now, the palette's a little dreary, but I considered that to be uh, just kind of where they are. Industrial world, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but in the overall, what I sense was, and, and the other thing I guess that frustrates me about this book is it is, it is you know Marvel's all about pacing for the trade, but my God, are they pacing for like an omnibus or what? It's very slowly unspooled. This is this is the first three pages of a of a David Michelinie Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Uh, but that's uh, but what I see is a, I see them trying very hard. I do see that. Uh, but that's that's. I'll stop there and uh, shut up and let Scott take over. Oh wait, wait, wait. let me let me get something. Oh, Chris, yeah, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I had my hands pushed together and I just sort of wedged them in there and. Whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <Right> apart. <laughs> like my my problems with this book are almost like built into the problems of modern uh, the things I don't like about modern comics. So I sort of anticipated that in it, the, the you know, the, oh, what do they call it, decompressed storyline or however, yes. basically having to do less <laughs> story and art per issue. That's just standard. I, I sort of expected it, and I think I was pretty close that it would be on the same level as, like, the Dark Horse comics and the way it looked and what kind of story they could tell. I think... Since it's early, like early on, and it's Marvel Star Wars number one, they're definitely trying a little harder to put the 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 elements in there, as, as you said, and you know, a little hint of romance between Han and Leia, and um, just just all the little moments you've come to expect. I I like the 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 part where Leia told Chewie to take a shot at Vader, and Han's like, "No, don't do it. You're gonna just put the whole station on alert and show our hand." And she insists on it, and then Chewie does it, and Han was totally right. Although he doesn't, he should have rubbed it in. <laughs> there should have been a scene of him rubbing it in, or saying something. But I guess I enjoyed the read of it. And uh, did either of you guys get the Dark Horse Star Wars number one, or read not. any of that? Oh, uh, no. the, the Brian Wood one. Yes. Okay, I didn't, you didn't mean the Kiati Mundi one. No, no, no. <laughs> Which was also Star Wars number one from Dark Horse. Oh, uh, yeah, I did, um, and I wasn't doing backflips over that one either. To tell no, you, it, it, it's very similar. They're very yeah. similar, and and what you say about the coloring, I don't like that style of coloring in general. But 
sometimes it does in, in this it does improve the art and one of the reasons I don't like that coloring is I think as as you said the the colorists are kind of the heroes of this thing because they're taking very um, if you saw this art in flat black and white with no shading and no color it would be very simple it would yeah. it would probably look more like the Cynthia Martin era of Star Wars as far as like thin lines it wouldn't be like the same stylized characters mm. but it would look it would it, it, maybe even like a coloring book you know and so they, they do a lot of dimension and depth with shading and stuff but it that doesn't work for me I like having the art be solid first and then the colors I like the colors to be solid like in solid colors too I'm mm. I, I, I like that. But as far as that goes, it was sort of what I expected. <laughs> it was sort of, there's only so much they can do. I was kind of happy that they started, at, you know, emulating the beginning of a movie. And then they, and that they did a sort of Marvel Star Wars thing, which was end s strong, I guess, or end with, you know, Luke and Vader facing off. Yeah, big moment. Big yeah. moment and, and ending, and, you know, going out big. But um, ultimately, you know, it's going to go in my long box. It's not it, it, it's it's not setting the world on fire for me. But at the same time, I'm going to read issue number two also and see see if it starts to, you know, what it what it starts to develop into. But I'm yeah, I'm not doing backflips over it. Mm -mm. Scott, though, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, I'm going to preface before going into any of this that. The intent of this show, of growing up Star Wars, is it's this is intended as a celebration of Star Wars, specifically the very nostalgic original trilogy of Star Wars that, that we grew up with as children. And I think up till now, the first four episodes that we've done have been very much that, a celebration. I don't really remember us ever being negative or, or going on any serious rants or tears or anything like that we are we, of course we, we remain critical if something you know is being critiqued but i don't think we ever went dark or went negative and i really want to keep the show that way so i'm not going to make a habit of what i'm about to do okay <laughs> so here we go i wanted to love this badly i really really wanted to love it and i didn't and that pains me deeply because all of the the promotional things that i saw for this especially the day that i went to my comic shop to pick it up i mean they were they had a star wars day and i mean they were making a big deal of it and they had these promotional mini posters and they had little takeaway cards and they had buttons and they had all this stuff all of the stuff that they had the promotional things that they had the gimmies and stuff all said the same thing on them two words that just really struck a chord with me because I was like, this is how I've been feeling all along. Ever since I heard that this was happening, welcome home. Yep. Because to me, this is where Star Wars belongs. Yes, it's a Lucasfilm property. Yes, it's a film first and all of that. But to me, Star Wars is always going to be a, the Marvel comic. That's Star Wars to me in so many ways, even above and beyond the movie, is the Marvel comic, the original series. So believe me, I wanted to love this so much. Now, there's a, there are a lot of things that I really liked about the thing, and I wanted to, to preface this by pointing those out because I, you know, there are things that I thought were pretty cool. 
Han's dialogue is spot on. Han Solo mm-hmm. sounds like Han Solo, and I you enjoyed can hear that. Harrison a lot. Yeah, voice. absolutely, I could, and I really liked that. Whether this is really Forlom or not, hey, Forlom, I thought that was cool. I like him. He's a cool character. Luke's mm-hmm. outfit. I mean, this is my favorite Luke Skywalker outfit. He's got the ceremonial outfit with the jacket and everything. Love that. That's one of my favorites. You know, so that really struck a chord with me. I agree with everything that you said, Scott Rifen, but I dig the light whip. To me, that was a nice nod to the original series. Whether they intended it to be or not, to me, that was a nice callback. I thought you were going to like that. I, that's what I thought when I saw it. I'm like, ooh, Scott's going to be like, ooh, they're, they're giving a little nod yep. to... Uh... I just... I just wanted them to save it for something more special. Right. Well, I didn't want it to be a throwaway. Oh, visual. hang, hang with me. You're, I was just gonna say, yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest ones of all, Luke's now retroactively first confrontation with Darth Vader is still in his awards ceremony jacket, a la the original series issues thirty-five through thirty-seven. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's again. Whether intentional or not, a nice callback. Because when he first met Vader in Marvel Star Wars, he was wearing that same outfit. So I liked that. Okay, so here's my notes on this one. First off, variant covers. I'm friggin' sick of them. Is this the 90s again? Do we really need this? One cover, people. One damn cover. It's all you need. Now, I really wanted the, the the Alex Ross cover to this. And instead, you get all these really silly variant covers. I just, I don't get this. I mean, this is not trading cards. Why are we doing this again? Did we not learn anything I, from the 90s? I think they think it makes people, well, it doesn't make me excited, but I guess, I, it, I don't know if it really makes people excited and draws them into it, or if it just makes speculatory people excited and right. then draws them in. Well, which I don't know if that mean, that might mean dollars and cents too, but you right. know, the, just that it was happening was what filled me with Marvel Star Wars. Right. Not that it was like that there were eighteen covers that I needed to get at five dollars right. a piece, or well, but, you know, or ridiculously but, more. Yeah, but I remember I remember the real breaking point in the '90s, and the real breaking point of the '90s was X Men number one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how many covers did X Men number one have? Five, five, I think. Yeah, five. There were a hundred Star Wars variant covers. A right. hundred. Right. And here's here's what I, I don't think these guys get. It'll is, be an interesting collection someday. Well, to... No, no. I don't think it will. That's the thing is that we as fans are anal completists. A lot of us are. But when you present us with a task that we know there is no way on God's green earth we mm. can ever genuinely, realistically do... We're not going to do it. Then you ignore it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're, yeah. you're totally right. You're right. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Now, in, in an effort to head them off at the pass, any criticism I might get over this, somebody's very likely to say, wait, 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 didn't you buy a pack full of variant covers? Yes, I did. Here's why I did. I wanted to make sure I got the goddamn thing. That's the only reason I bought that pack is I <laughs> wanted to assure myself of a copy of Star Wars number one. I did not buy it for the variant covers. Believe me. How many how many variant covers did you get with that pack? Uh, four or five. Okay, so five, you have four or five more physical copies of it than I have. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like I said, just because I wanted to make sure that I got one, because I was not sure that was going to happen. And as it turns out, I'm really glad that I did it this way because I know people that didn't get one. So I don't have one. I, I had to buy the digital copy. We have no comic shop here, and Marvel. Oh. If you recall, last year Marvel announced that they were not going to sell in brick and mortar anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. They weren't going to sell in the box stores, which was there's the only place in Brunswick, Georgia, to get a comic book is in Books a Million. 
Pops, a big box store. Right. So I had to buy it from Comixology. I'd still, you know, the only Marvel Star Wars comic book that's ever been made that I don't have is that. There, hmm. there were definitely, there was definitely lots of traffic to my LCS for Marvel Star Wars right. because I walked in and there was an extra guy. They had an extra guy working. And, like, you know, I've been going to this place, geez, you know, since before, even when you lived here in Rochester, Scott, you know, right. our comics, et cetera, et cetera with right. Andy. And, uh, and, and they listen to the show there and stuff. So, I, like, I, I, we were driving by, and I'm like, told my roommate, got to go to the comic shop. So I run in there, and, you know, the guy who's, like, they hired on is, like, following me around, this, like, hovering over me as I walk through the store. <laughs> And I turn around and he goes, is there something you're looking for? And I'm like, I'm here for, uh, and he goes, Star Wars? And I go, yeah. And he does this, you know, this sort of like, yep, that's, everybody's coming in for, you know, all the noobs coming in for Star Wars. So he's like, well, follow me. And he takes, and I know right where I'm, so I follow him over to Star Wars and I take it. And then Andy sees me and goes, are you going to read about that on the show? And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) You know, that's something I didn't make a note of, and, and it kind of shames me that I didn't. But, you know, that's pretty awesome that I know that this happened at comic shops all over the country, that people right. went to the comic shop and there was a Star Wars day. And this thing was huge. I mean, like Scott said, they printed a million copies and they sold them. When's the last time that happened? I was a little grumpy that, that I was getting the like, oh, look at this guy. He's just, in, you know, he's a he's a weekend warrior coming in for a Star Wars number one. Hmm. Or whatever, and then the owner's just like, "Oh yeah," and and you know he's he's like, "Oh yeah," they do a whole podcast on Star Wars, but That's at cool. the same time, I was also glad that that guy had that attitude because that meant there were a lot of people coming in and going, "Can I get Marvel Star Wars?" And I I'm hoping that they were people who wanted to read Marvel Star Wars rather than speculator style, right? But either way, it is you're right. It's it's totally it's really cool. Now, this is a criticism of this issue, but this is more of a criticism of modern comics. This next note, no page numbers. God damn it. Put page numbers in here. I understand what they're doing. I understand why there's no meanwhile boxes, why there's no editor's footnotes, why there's no thought balloons, that this is how modern comics are done. But movies are not comics and comics are not movies. Embrace the medium you're in, okay? Page numbers, yes, but also... I know that the narration box is supposedly stale and trite, but it is much more effective to just give me a little bit of exposition rather than have to bog it down in all these goofball mm-hmm. three C three P isms. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but here's the thing: is uh, 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 that that dialogue is is trite and boring if the writer is trite and boring. If you write, <laughs> if you put good stuff in that little rectangle, it's good. If you put right. stupid yeah. stuff in it, it's stupid. So put good stuff in it. Right. So they relegate they relegate C three P on this issue to being the the exposition mm. dump, and then they try to couch it in character specific dialogue. God bless them for trying, but it just really it comes stretch. off as yeah. It, it really was just obnoxious and annoying. I did not like C three P O in that issue. Just give me, and I kept the whole time going. Just give me a yellow box. Maybe maybe at some point the yellow box can say asterisk, last ish, arch, but something. Right. I thought the movie style opener was cool, particularly if you had the soundtrack going. But I mean, even without it, 
you could kind of hear it in your head kind of thing. That was cool. That said, don't overuse this. I don't really ever need to see this again. I, I get the idea. You know, you're evoking an emotion, and I think that's very cool and everything. The original Marvel Star Wars in 77 could have could have benefited from this, actually. So that I liked. And I liked the crawl. It reads like a Star Wars crawl. At this point, almost 40 years since the original movie, how many zillions of Star Wars crawls have we seen? So many of them don't feel authentic. This one actually does, and I liked that. The shuttle. Nah. I don't like this. I don't like this for a number of reasons. For one thing, it's a space-going Jabba sail barge, which is just damn silly. Plus, and this it was one of my major issues with this comic, it steals from later in the saga... And I don't like that. I don't like it when they can't come up with original things. They have to borrow things from later in the saga because that spoils things that are going to happen later. And I don't like that. Visually, I don't like it. Story-wise, I don't like it. But I'll touch on that more. You know where I disagree with you on that? What's that? Here's where we got Lando's outfit. Here's where we, you know, it seemed to me to be an interesting uh, setup for what was going to happen in Jedi. Here's how we got the stuff. Here's the stuff that we got that enabled us to infiltrate Jabba's palace, you know, four years later. Maybe, but... That was how I viewed it. But it, it, this was not an isolated thing. If this was isolated, I probably could have forgiven it. But this issue is chock full of, let's borrow from later, let's borrow from later, let's borrow from later. And, and cumulatively, I didn't like that. See, the pages aren't numbered here, so I don't have specific page notes. But where you've got Agadine telling his uh, troopers, be on the alert. If anything seems remotely suspicious, kill them all. Um, did they not hear him? Because I'm going to point out some things that are more than remotely suspicious. Like R2 peeing on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Han yeah. gives his real name. Uh, yeah. Even Forlom calls out that uh, he has a bounty on his head of 50,000 credits. Hello, this is and it was remotely. By Jabba. Yeah, this is remotely suspicious. Exactly. Yeah, that's my exact note. The it's bounty is Jabba's from Java. Representing. Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> remotely suspicious. Um, why does Chewie have Han in his reticle? That makes no sense whatsoever. I think it was just Chewie getting his. You know, he was. It was sometimes when you have something like a scope and you're zoomed in. You know, I think it was just a way of. It was a way also for them to add a little bit of suspense that like, right. ooh, someone's got Han in the target. But it was, yeah. I pictured it, it sort of like swimming around. Right. You know, and, and then he picks out Han and stops and goes, okay, now I'm in the area where I have to be with, with, because Chewie's a badass. Chewie and Han are bad, badasses. He, he's, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know. A responsible gun owner would not have their friend's head in, in the crosshairs like that. Exactly, yeah. But they're, but they're badasses. They're not responsible gun owners. They blast the hell out of stuff, and he knows that's the easiest way to get his bearings, and it's like, yeah, Han would understand. If, if he gets an itchy trigger finger, he's going to take Han's jaw off. So that just, yeah. That well, itchy's trigger finger is back on because it... <laughs> Page 10, panel 1, Chewie looks like Lumpy with a snidely whiplash mustache there. That's just really... <laughs> but that's classic Marvel Star Wars. Well, this is true. Oh, I would you know, I would have forgiven all of this if we'd gotten one Gronk. One just gronk. one Gronk. One Gronk could have solved so many problems Oh, dude, here. You, would have, you probably would have melted, your heart would have melted like butter if there was a nook in it. Oh, man. <laughs> So in the scene where Han and, and Agadine are walking to where they're going to have their little negotiation, 
Han says, I suppose, having a ship the size of the Death Star blow up in your faces, blah, blah, and he continues to talk. I don't know. Maybe this is super nitpicky, but is this known? I mean, is the Death Star a thing now? Because... It... It, it might not be a thing like on the Imperial news, but it might be a thing that everybody, you know, he might be, you know, in smuggler land, stuff gets right. around in the but bars, again, you know, that's, yeah. sort of, that's what I sort of picture not it as. Yeah, set sir, somebody's you, spidey sense off remotely suspicious. Well, yeah, you have a good point. It would send my, point. that would send my pissed, pissed off sense off, you know, that would be like, you know, I mean. But Han's doing the smuggler. They're they're poking at each other. Right. They test each other. You know. Okay, from the bottom of page twelve through page thirteen and all of page fourteen. No, 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 no. This is where this story went completely south for me. No, this is way, way, way beyond the capabilities and the basically the willingness of of the participants in this little drama there's no way that immediately after the death star that han luke and leia are suddenly a commando team going on a raid to the most secure imperial facility there is and you know punching out and kicking stormtroopers and you know han gives one a, a karate chop to the back of the head leia punches agadine out yeah this is just so far out of character for me for one it's out of character but again i don't i didn't it's not out of character but it's out of character it, unless it's in character years down the line when these guys have been a team exactly. for a long time that's my other problem with it is there's a scene in return of the jedi that i can remember seeing as a kid and thinking that's cool this shows the progression of the character where han grabs the stormtrooper that tries to stop him mm-hmm. and does that little move where he flips him over his shoulder i love that shit and this, to me, steals from that because they're not there yet. They're, they don't have this ability. When we finally do see them stage something that could even remotely be called a commando mission, it's still awkward and clumsy and ultimately doesn't work. Whereas this... They're, they're old friends to us, but exactly. at this point, they are not old friends. They should... You know, you know Leia and Han are already starting to... Uh progress into empire strikes mid empire strikes back mode yeah one of the things i i want very much is for them to not ignore the potential romance between luke and leia because it was yep. very real at the time and and there's no reason it can't be very real right now uh also the leia punch i'll tell you when she just decks the guy my thought was this is because they haven't given her a single thing to do in this issue and, you know, all this talk in the casting that has driven me nuts of episode seven of we've got to have diversity. We've got to have more women. We've got to have more people of this color and that color and purple and plaid people. And uh, I think this is part of the whole thing that says, oh, the girls don't get to do anything in this ep- in this issue. Well, what's what's up with that? We can't do that. We can't have an, an issue where uh, the girls aren't doing anything. So I took that as we have nothing for Leia to do this issue, but we're going to give her a big girl power moment anyway. Well, the other thing for me was that there was a sense of confusion here, like maybe they're mistaking Leia for Padme. Leia was not an action star in these movies. She was a prim and proper princess. Now, yes, she had biting criticisms and 
you know, little barbs that she would give and everything, but we never in all three movies saw her do shit like this. She doesn't punch people out. She doesn't club stormtroopers with her helmet. She's the princess. She may shoot somebody, but she's not doing this stuff. And that took they me have confused right out of the story. Swan. <laughs> Page 15, again, the story was already going way south by this point, but this one just illustrates again uh, what's going on. You've got C-3PO, he's in the Millennium Falcon, the Millennium Falcon's sitting in a garbage pile, and he says, if I may say so, Captain Solo, I do find it rather disconcerting that your vessel continues to be so easily mistaken for garbage. You mean like in The Empire Strikes Back when the Falcon floats away like the rest of the garbage, C-3PO? Is that what you're talking about? Because, you know, that hasn't happened yet. Right. When the hell else was the Falcon ever mistaken for garbage? What, a piece of junk? Eh, that's a stretch, <laughs> dude. I mean, because I thought of that, too. Because Luke says that, and, and Leia says uh, something similar You know, when she sees it for the first time. But come on. The, the slaves being comprised of Mon Cal's and Toilets? No. No. We haven't met these races yet. We won't meet them until Return of the Jedi. Uh, did like the light whip. Uh, pages 20 and... Hmm? I don't know that you can say we haven't met these races until Return of the Jedi. I mean, obviously they existed in the galaxy. Right, but it still borrows from from things that we won't see, that won't be revealed to us until later. And And I don't think that just because now you can write these stories knowing the entire canvas that you should write with the entire canvas because it takes away from how the movies play out and they should play right. i just feel like they should play in the world no you know using what they have you know in that world as it exists in those movies this is one of the reasons why i'm baffled why the hell they even started at this point anyway why didn't they pick it up with return of the jedi you know post return of the jedi because going, this is that's the gonna... most fertile ground for star wars storytelling there is post return of the jedi is also going to probably have to poke into the storyline of episode seven which i'm yeah. sure they would not want to do right now why wouldn't you want to do that they because purposely people like us would start slate. figuring out what's going to go on in episode seven mm, possibly but i mean why else wipe the slate clean unless you're going to go back and your intention is to fill that slate in at some point well i'm saying once yeah. episode once episode seven is out maybe we will start seeing post jedi story right happening you know to to fill in all that but that's what i would wait for if i were them pages 20 and 21 which is specifically the the, the full page shot of luke saying follow me and then the uh the page across from it with uh, han and leia having their little exchange i think is representative of my problems with the art in this issue it does start out strong like scott said but it quickly gets to this which is stiff way over photo referenced and it's not fluid or natural looking at all that shot of Luke should be like, oh, that's awesome. And it's not. It's kind of bland. I, I it's really... kind of like an action figure. Yeah. Picture. It's yeah, like that Hildebrand so. cover on the variant cover on the omnibus you, you posted up that one day. Right. Page 21, bottom of the panel there. That's a really good question that Leia asked, though. Why would he stick his neck out, especially for this? Because I can accept Han Solo sticking his neck out for the Rebels. He's come to like Luke. He's got the hots for Leia. Chewie was kind of guilting him about the whole ditching the Rebels when the Battle of the Death Star thing was about to happen. I can accept that. Suicide mission? Not so much. So, yeah, her question's really relevant. Why are you doing this? Because, again, I'm not buying this. Not with Han Solo, you know, at, at least that he's ready to go from helping him out 
to I could die doing this. That's a big character leap that we should see developed over time. And we did with the movies as opposed to just straight from let me think about it to, you know, okay, I'm I'm willing to give my life for this cause. Right. But, you know, I mean, and the original Marvel Star Wars and the the last Dark Horse Star Wars number one both sort of address the Han Solo character of, you know, post-Death Star, which is, yeah, he came back and helped, helped Luke with the Death Star, but he's got the price on his head. He's still kind of a bastard, you know. He's shown his, he's shown his heart of gold, but he hasn't developed into the, the person that you see in this one. This one you see Han Solo, Luke Skywalker's friend, love interest to Princess Leia. And at this point, he still should be sort of, he, he should be the one going, why am I doing this? You know, the, the, I, um, you were saying his dialogue is perfect. The only thing is, I think he should have been a little more wiseacre in it, a little more um, cynical right. than, than he is in, in this. Uh, you know, when she asks him why he's here, he gives a very noncommittal, it's a, I think that was a good picture of his face. It's a good Harrison Ford, like, who, me? face right, up yeah. but it, you know he's like oh maybe now is not really the best time to no that's too that actually gives too much away maybe not to her but even to us who know that they have a a romantic interest in the you know in the future that 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 might be in the way he's he's looking at her and the way the scene plays out it's just too early for that he's he's still the han solo right after episode you know after after the Death Star is is a kind of a bastard. He's he's still right. He's still more interest self interested. You know. Right. Even in Empire, he's still he's just starting to come out of that. You know, he's mm-hmm. just starting, or not to come out of that, but coming to grips and admitting to himself that he's you know committed to this group of people into the rebellion. But um, yeah, it's well, it's, I, you know, I would argue that though because he's leaving at the beginning of empire. And the only right, reason he, he kind of really gets embroiled in everything is that Leia needs a hand. So he, he helps her and yeah, by default kind of gets yeah, wrapped into another adventure that, though. It's kind of that punching the girl in the schoolyard thing. Yeah. Too, you know, he doesn't really want to leave and he gets his, ex, you know, he gets an excuse to stay, you know, yeah, in fact, he, he gets, gets to stay in safe face. Yeah, if you remember when he tells her he's leaving and she's not all busted up, he gets pissed off. He keeps, yeah, he keeps, he, he didn't get the answer he wanted. Right. So, you know, but he is, he's def. I mean, he's definitely, and I mean, he and Luke actually bond a lot in this, in Empire, right. because, you know, he saves Luke's life, and, right. and, um, and then, you know, basically sort of sacrifices, get, sort of sacrifices himself at the end. So, yeah, this, uh, there's just two, I don't know if the writers are confused about it, or if they're purposely trying to make the characters more iconic, Hold but that there, thought. I'm coming back. I'm coming to that. Okay. okay. I was going to say because, but here's the best part of all of it. It's canon. Mm. I'm hold that thought. Regardless <laughs> of what you say, would or wouldn't have been done by these characters, they did it. It's funny because I'm so scotch guarded against that. I know that bothers the hell out of you guys, and it's just <laughs> like, ah, I don't take it. I cannot take it seriously. You know, when people in, label stuff like that canon because it's just it's going to get flushed down the toilet someday again, you know, and it's like, I can't hold on to it. It's I'm, I, I can't let, let that happen to me. Mm. 
Page 22, I really do love the fact that Han has no qualms, gives no thought whatsoever to the idea of rescuing slaves. That I liked. That seemed very in character for Han Solo. Mm -hmm. You know, he walks up, he's got all these guys, and, and Luke just says, can we take him with us? And he's like, yep, absolutely we can. Sure, I, why not? That was great. I liked that. Page 23, what's the in-universe explanation for why Darth Vader is here? I mean, I know that the real world is that, hey, this is cool, Darth Vader's here, but what? What's? why the hell he's is he here? He's a negotiator. He was why Darth Vader? They don't have a, they can't pay somebody to do this? I mean, seriously, why is Vader there? Why is he the negotiator for this thing with smugglers right. of Jabba the Hutt? That makes right. no sense to me. At least not well, so it far. Well, it would make sense if they somehow sense something was up. But obviously they don't. You know, right. Darth Vader isn't coming going like, you know, he isn't coming there on the alert. He doesn't know something's up till che Chewbacca takes a, a shot at him. So, yeah, this is basically like the Secretary of State coming to a, you know, to some lumber mill you know right, exactly to, yeah a labor to, dispute somewhere so. right, you know, right you know you guys come on now you don't think darth vader is up for coming to a negotiation and he's not the guy for negotiation plainly you forgot what happened on argyle <laughs> when he was there to negotiate away the financing of x-wing <laughs> fighters for the rebellion well and here's another thing i was gonna he's say Scott negotiator. i was gonna say something all right so where's the Scott vampire Garner's... that turns into a butterfly then i, I want well, that guy it, okay okay so we love marvel star wars so warts and all we're getting war we're getting our story warts in this one too it's <laughs> they're modern story warts. yeah they're modern not, story they're, warts. they're not 70s story and 80s story warts they're modern yeah. story warts but here it is, warts and all. Yeah. Page 24, two awesome moments here. I love uh, when Han's on the, the comm link and he says, you know, he hears Chewie say something. He says, Vader, and Luke just turns and says, did you say Vader? And I love, love, love Leia ordering Chewie to take the shot. Mm -hmm. That's Princess Leia. The, that That's I liked. That was awesome. Page 26, uh, Vader using the Force to hold up Stormtroopers as human shields. No. No, no. No, no, no. No. No, that come that's on. prequel stuff. No, that Vader wouldn't do that. Why would he do that? He repels it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, also, I mean, he's not that callous with the lives of, of his of his. I mean, I could see him doing that maybe with a couple of Imperial officers to but make the a troopers. Pro he usually he always struck me as like of them. You know what I mean? And they they followed him. You know what I mean? He, right, right. No, so, he, that, that Clone Wars stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't see this. I really uh, don't. That, and when that he wasted high-ranking officers, he did it to make a point, to, to intimidate the other officers by these guys failed me. Right. This is what happened. There was, a, there was a meaning for it. And also, yeah, actually, this is something I ever thought of in the trilogy. Yeah, Anakin kind of doesn't like those kind of guys either. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you're on 26, also look at the shot where he's where he's force lifting the stormtroopers into the way. Mm -hmm. Look at Vader's head. Right. Just another. Just an, again, this is the point in the story, and you're really going to see more of it on the ne next next uh, couple of pages. The next, in fact, uh, I think page 29 is the one that just really gets ridiculous, where obviously somebody was facing a deadline and couldn't take the time to draw something well. Right. And, well, uh, it was I, like that page it, is one of those. It's like it's e it, it seems like it must be easier for him to draw Darth Vader's head straight on rather than an angle because he sort of takes pains to always have his head 
not always, but as as often as possible, just that straight on view of of him. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it looks like almost pasted on the top of that page just before Chewie takes a shot for him on him. It reminds me of like it reminds me of like action figures where the heads come off. And it was held in by a little ball. It reminds and me of Presto Magics. That's what it reminds me of. You glued it back on. Yes, it does remind me of Presto Magics. <laughs> the color, that's, maybe that's why I don't like modern coloring. It reminds me of the coloring on Presto Magics, mm-hmm. which I liked as Presto Magics, just not as comics. <laughs> page 26, Chewie takes out all of the stormtroopers. Fast forward to page 28, more stormtroopers. Where the hell did these guys come from? He killed them all. Where are these guys coming from? Page 30. Please, for the love of God, tell me C-3PO is not going to wield a blaster in the next issue. Yep. Page 31, page... I, I'm, uh, just, I'm stunned that you just went by the two really awful drawings of Solo on that page. Where's that? Um, you mean that uh, he's mad as hell and can't take three. it anymore? The one yeah, where he's got his fist reminds yeah. me of those British, the Alan Moore <laughs> yeah. ones. Yeah. That's what the art was like in those. Like Dave Gibbons. Yes. Slotney throws a shape or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Leia in panel one of that shot. I'm not sure what I. She looks deformed. Yeah, looks like she looks like Odo. Nose. Page thirty one, panel two. I do like that panel for some weird reason. It reminds me of the Russ Manning newspaper strip. I really mm-hmm. like that one. Uh, what just a shot of three uh, PO? No, it's the firefight on page thirty two where oh, Han, okay. Leia, and, and Luke are you know. Sort of basically laying out. down cover fire for the slaves to get you know to get away i just i like that i think that looks actually pretty cool i like that page 32 they stumble into a room containing a bunch of walkers and han says yeah i'm gonna drive one of these things out no 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 god damn it no they haven't encountered walkers yet they won't encounter them oh, until the empire strikes back haven't. you don't know that they haven't encountered walkers yet well that's true i i he's he's in fact they it, didn't say the empire strikes back they didn't say We've spotted bizarre, mysterious vehicles on the North Ridge. They said Imperial Walkers are spotted on the North Ridge. I know, but it's I I I I, but I don't like them stealing shit yeah. from later in the saga. See, That's my point. Is it's it's why would it's a you storytelling thing but, with Scott? It's but, it's a storytelling exactly thing. exactly. But you seem to be under the apprehension that there's some kid who's going to watch Star Wars and then read this Marvel series straight through, and then when it gets to Empire Strikes Back, he's going to watch. Empire Strikes Back for Be the like, first uh, time. And that's no, not what's happening. I, I'm it's not. It's something your old guys who have complete hindsight who are reading this stuff. I know. And that's part of the that's part of the problem with this, I think. Well, uh, and the people who yeah, the people who are writing it and the people a lot of the people who are reading it have the hindsight and yeah, I, I Which I is mean, why I don't think that those complaints that's why I'm not really worked up about those complaints. I don't get worked up about it because I expect it in storytelling uh, because it, it, it to, uh, but I agree with Scott is where if I was doing it, that's how I would do it too, because it preserves the, 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 you know, the building of the universe and you can build stuff behind it and you could also build stuff, but it would just become more writing where it would become, a, it would be a lot of harder job. It's, well, it, it's, it's, you know, Jabba was never in episode one. He, I mean, in, in episode four, when you know, until the special editions. Right. Mm-hmm. But nobody said stay away from Jabba ever in any fiction that takes place between episodes uh, four and five. You know, they still do series with them in there. They still put them in there, and I, I just, I don't see that as that big of a deal. 
it is when it's all in one when it's all in your first issue that you're gonna steal so much stuff from later in the saga in your very first highly decompressed issue of a story arc it bothers me because i don't want this to be a thing you know that's true. if it There's, had been there, one there quite piece, a few things if it of. had been one thing like just the sail barge or just the walker or just this or just mm. that but when it's cumulative when every couple of pages you're swiping things from future installments of the saga it just it, it to me it says you just didn't have enough. You know what I mean? I, I just, I don't like it. It just makes me, I can't, it's not, I know it's not logical, but I can't properly verbalize it, but I just, I don't like it. I don't uh, like the vibe that it gives me. It, it's like, well, I don't I'm, know. I'm hoping I, I noticed it too, but I was hope I'm hoping that what it is, is they're trying that, that I think that stuff is, 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 I mean, it's kind of fan service. And they tried to do it tastefully. It's like tasteful fan service. And I'm hoping that, you know, once the Fuhrer dies down, that it, they just concentrate on story, you know. Right. They start, they start you know, fl- flushing out the stories and, and, and what they're doing and stuff. And I don't know if they're going to put new characters in or, or what's, what's right. happening. That's going to be interesting, too. But, yeah, I think they were throwing a lot of, a, a lot of things. I think they did it purposely, you know, to because oh, people like to see things. They well, okay, hold hold that. I know I keep asking you to do this, but hold that thought because this is where <laughs> all of this is building to. Okay. Okay. So pages thirty three and thirty four, last two pages of the story. I'm really conflicted over this because on the one hand, I really like this scene. This is cool. Yeah. I, I love the dialogue, such as it is. I love the fact that Kenobi speaks from beyond the grave. I really like and, that. And I could love you hear it. Write it totally in your head. Oh, absolutely. Like, Run. <laughs> I, I love awesome. the callback, whether again intentional or not. I love the callback to Marvel Star Wars 35 through 37 because this is that confrontation and I like how this is staged. However, and I know I'm going to catch hell from Scott Rifen, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Luke Skywalker did not face Darth Vader until Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Now, I don't give a shit what anybody <laughs> says. Splinter of the Mind's Eye, it will always be continuity to me. It was the official sequel to Star Wars until The Empire Strikes Back came along. They can throw out whatever the hell they like as far as scrapping the EU and all of that. But Splinter of the Mind's Eye is part of my Star Wars continuity. And that, to me, is always going to be Luke's first confrontation with Darth Vader. So if they wanted to set this story post-Splinter, that's fine with me. They're, They're cool with that. But this clearly, at least... My my intimation from this, based on the art and the outfits that they're in and where they're at and their attitudes and everything, is pretty much day after the Death Star, which is one of my major issues with it. I'm thinking that this either is way before Splinter or Splinter now in this new continuity is never going to happen. That bothers me. So it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that it's going to hit that nitpicker button. And it's I just I'm really having a hard time looking past this because it changes the dynamic of how the story plays for me. Well, on the other hand, I would have been very surprised if they had worked Splinter the Mind's Eye into the continuity of this. Oh, I know. I would be be very shocked. I I would be very psyched, but I would be very, very shocked. Well, I mean, I don't expect that they're going to play, you know 
they, they may play with elements, but I don't expect they're going to play with any of the original right, continuity right. at all. I'm not going to give you grief over all of that, but I will say first, and it may be because I didn't read it until later. You know, I, Splinter of the Minds, I came out when I was eight years old. I wasn't even eight years old. I was seven years old. Uh, I didn't read it until after Empire, probably around Jedi or a little after. When I read it, I didn't enjoy it. I was thoroughly unsatisfied by it. Hmm. I didn't like Alan Dean Foster's writing on the Star Wars novelization or that. Any any novel adaptation, by the way, of a film that is designed for little kids should not use the word loquacious in the first pages of the book. <laughs> but that having been said, uh, I was never I've never been a fan of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. However, I completely agree with you that within a couple of weeks of the destruction of the Death Star, Vader should not run into Luke. Right. That should not be happening. In fact, I'm a fan of the Vader's quest mode or the Marvel Star Wars mode where he spends time, and it's a valid storyline to pursue, where he spends time trying to unravel that skein and try and figure out exactly who is this person whose brain I touched, right. who blew up this Death Star moments after I figured out, hey, this guy's big-time Force-sensitive guy. And, and you know, I want that to play out. I don't want a confrontation, an issue or two into this? Well, I, I, I'm thinking they might be building up towards um, maybe showing how Vader figures out that Luke is his son, or the or Palpatine does. Well, here's to me, you know, headcanon, let's go with that. Here's to me how he figures it out. He tracks down the guy who destroys the Death Star. That becomes his big mission from the Emperor. And the guy's and last then, name is Skywalker? Yeah, the guy's last name is Skywalker. <laughs> he goes, wait a minute. How can this familiar. be? And then search your feelings and, oh, wait a minute. This is this is my kid. Are yeah, you my yeah. Uncle Frankie's boy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And wasn't there some sort of, like, kerfluffle on tattooing or something? You know? Yeah, that seems familiar, too. Yeah. So, and so to me, that's I would rather see it play out that way and not him immediately come face to face with with Vader. Well, well who knows? You know, there might be an explosion between the two of them. You know, in the next one, or Vader could just be me. he could just be a hologram, like in. I would accept that. I'd accept that, and I would accept Imposter Vader. Just to, just to clear the decks of this. That's you know another another symptom of the overall problem I had with this is that too much too soon because you also have to think whoever in the Rebel Alliance sent them on this mission are they stupid because <laughs> you've got the 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 young man the the hero kid who just destroyed the Death Star that kid is going to be an incredible rallying symbol for the Alliance now. Why would you send he and a princess and this smuggler dude that you just met, why send them on the, the commando suicide mission that they might not come back from? That's a story element in this that I just simply could not get past. It's, it's way too soon for these yeah. heroes to be engaged in that kind of a mission. They, they should be still trying to figure out what their, their place is. I mean, Luke obviously was going to have a place in the Rebellion, Han and Chewie, not so much, you know, it wasn't exactly. set in stone. When Han accepts, or when, rather, when Leia learns that Han is the one that's leading the commando mission to the Endor bunker, she's shocked. You did what? And you're not going to get that with this Han Solo, who, day after the Death Star, is leading a commando raid into an Imperial stronghold. It, it just, it, the, the two don't sync. 
and that bugs me. You're stealing elements from later in the saga. You're stealing character development. You're stealing ships and ideas and locales, and it, it just it bugs me. It you know it it just ugh, it just didn't work. So here ultimately, this was my problem with this, and this is why I kept I, I kept asking you guys to hold that thought, hold that thought, because it was all kind of going the same direction. I think ultimately my problem with this and the problem it has, as I see it, I don't think this was for us. I think this was for people that kind of remember Star Wars. I think this is for people like my dad who went to see Star Wars when it was new. They might remember Luke's last name is Skywalker. And oh, yeah, the big bad guy. His name was Dark Vader, right? I don't think this this is for us, the, the nitpickers, the fanboys. And that bothers me because this that's who they should be writing to is us, the fans, the guys that have been here all along. And I don't feel like this was written for me because if it was, they didn't do their homework very damn well. This didn't make me feel good about Star Wars. And all it did was it adds to my already nervous state about where Star Wars is headed. Because I'm telling you guys, I'm getting that feeling in the pit of my stomach again. Well, episode seven can't steal from the future, at least. It can't, <laughs> but it can do the same thing that this did, which is pander to the pop, the you know, the, the, the vast audience instead of pandering to the built-in audience that it already has for Star Wars, which is why I strongly am beginning to suspect that's why they scrapped the EU so that they don't have to pander to the fan base and they can do whatever the hell they want to and fans be damned. I'm telling you, I've, I've watched this happen now with Batman, with Superman, with Star Trek. I don't want to watch this happen again. I, I don't want to watch this happen with Star Wars. And this is, this is how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm really thinking that they're not aiming this at us. They're aiming it at this general zeitgeist that is out there that this is what they think Star Wars is. Mm -hmm. And that's what we got with Star Trek. That Star Trek movie that we got was not real Star Trek. It was the popular myth of Star Trek. And that's what I feel this first issue is. It's not really Star Wars. It's kind of the popular, yeah, this is what Star Wars is to Joe Average. Well, I don't know if that, that is purpose as purposeful as it is maybe you know the the, the people who are writing it are just they're, they're in you know i mean we saw it come in it's it's almost like you know somebody who was around when the beatles first came in and i think star wars has hit that point where if you're not careful you're writing about the icons rather than you're writing about thinking you, you know you're thinking about presenting Han Solo and all these characters as the icons we all know and love. And it's it might be hard for the younger generation of star writers or the, the people who are presenting it to uh, to get out of that, you know, and, and just look at them as just straight up characters in a straight up world instead of having all that baggage. And that's the problem is. There's there's the fan baggage. There's there's all this baggage attached to Star Wars, and it's like who are you who are you gonna be most scared of? Who are you gonna play to the most? You know how are you gonna present it? And it's come to a point where, and I think with Dark Horse too, you almost to to be safe, you have to present it almost in this manner because that's what most people are gonna understand. So 
that's about all you know that's why my i my expectations for this comic weren't dashed they were about right on because i figured it was going to be that you know because that's what comics are these days and i was and i think they put a little extra effort into this one because they knew it was going to be a big deal but like like almost always happens they did, the the extra effort wasn't as much put into the writing as it was it's almost a, there's a there's almost a level of homogenization to star wars you know what i mean if if you're yeah. if you're trying to present it safely you almost have to there's you don't have to but it ends up with this layer of of homogenization and uh it was, you know, I found it an entertaining read, but it's not going to, you know, fill a place in my Star Wars. Maybe it will as it goes on. I'm going to stick with it for a few issues and see what see what happens. I'm 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 interested to see what happens next issue for sure. But yeah, you know, it's just it's just a different set of problems <laughs> than the last Marvel Star Wars. And yeah. it's it's a set of problems that aren't as amusing to me. As I can see, it's the same with you. <laughs> I, uh, in in looking at this issue, and Scott, it, it, to to address some of your concerns here, I do see. Look, I see a lot of fan service. I think the job of the hut vehicle, looking the way it does, the uniforms that come out, I think those are fan service for people who who love the saga. I think there is a good bit of that in there. Yeah, I don't think the um, casual user is going to go like, "Ooh, that's hot technology," you know. Although, yeah. and as soon as I looked at it, I'm like, "Oh, that's got all the earmarks of its like sail barge technology." Yeah, for that's space. a Java ship. Look at there. Um, and, and so it was a little bit of shorthand for people who saw. But I, I want you to remember that Star Wars, even with a named series, was doing fifteen to nineteen thousand copies a month. Uh, and that's just not going to move the needle for them. So they are going to homogenize it more. They are going to destroy. The, you know, one of the reasons they're destroying old continuity is because they want to be, break free of those chains. Because I think they feel like those chains were holding them back a bit. I mean, the novels were not selling Zon numbers anymore. I mean, I remember when *Era of the Empire* came out, and the entire summer that book was in the top three New York yeah, Times every yeah. single week. And then the novels just started coming out, and it was kind of like, "Oh, there's a good opening week for a book, okay?" And then see you later, it's gone. Yeah. And uh, they want more than that. They don't want 19,000 people. They sold a million copies of this issue. Now, granted, there may only be two or three hundred thousand people who've read it, but you've increased your circulation of Star Wars comics tenfold with that move of stripping back the continuity and kind of starting over. I mean, I agree with a lot of your criticism in, in the book, but it, it was never not realistic that they wouldn't strip it away like that, that they wouldn't strip it down to basics and, and make it a little more mainstream accessible. You know, that guy that you were talking about who kind of remembered Star Wars, because that's who they need to go get back, because plainly there's not enough of a hardcore audience to buy more than fifteen to 20,000 copies a month of a Star Wars comic. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, you have an excellent point. I see where you're coming from, but that gets into a, a completely different debate that I've long had with myself is that is my problem with so many of these franchises that I now look at and go, what the hell happened? I'm now the guy on the outside is that fame is no friend to the fanboy, you know, mm -hmm. no, when, when they cross a particular they 
cross a particular threshold from nerd niche to popular culture, a lot of times the flavor of the original product is lost. And we've seen Mm -hmm. that happen again and again and again. I think it's happening with Star Wars right now. And that kills me because... You know, I, I lost a little piece of my soul every time it happened with these other franchises. God damn it, do I not want to see this happen with Star Wars. Star Wars is my thing, man. Star yeah. Wars was my gateway drug into all this other shit that I'm into. At the core of my being, the the one fandom I can see, you know, if I had to boil it all down, it all comes back to Star Wars. Star yeah. Wars introduced me to this larger world of geeky shit that I'm into, and I don't want that to go away. And this just seems like another indicator of the direction that things are moving to because the things I'm seeing and hearing about the new movie don't inspire confidence in me at all. I'm looking at it and going, this movie feels like exactly what you're describing. It's aiming at the the general broad audience that kind of remembers the Star Wars movies that they may have seen once or twice. And so they're going to go with this popular perception of Star Wars as opposed to let's tell a great Star Wars movie about the Star Wars characters, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, And that scares the shit out of me that that's what they're going to do, that they're going to make a popular movie as opposed to a Star Wars movie. And I don't like that. And I don't think I can do this again. But you're about as much of a capitalist as anybody. And so you understand that their mission is to reach the widest audience possible, not to super serve the niche. Uh, a, a, a ticket to go see a film is, you know, 12, 13 bucks, whatever theater you're going to. And you don't make more money by appealing to an intensely rabid niche group. You have to sell as many tickets as possible to go but, see a movie. Well, to also, as wide an audience as possible. But I'm also hoping my, my hope is my hope. And it's so funny is it, it it's not with the, the, uh, the filmmakers. I think that they got for episode seven, I, I have a good chance of making a good movie, but I think, and it, and I'm not usually one who thinks in dollars and cents, but from a from a capitalist large corporation point of view, if I was Disney, I would be I would be planning my Star Wars future really to for to be as rich and to be as good as possible because you could you could blast through the first couple movies and put out a couple more you know prequel level stuff where you know we're we're star wars fans are gonna like it but it it you know it's it's it it takes a lot of criticism and has the cheesy stuff and you could still make buckets of record amounts of money but like you were saying with the timothy zahn books those were like a few books out of nowhere, and then once it became book, 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 everybody sort of, uh, you know, the interest didn't go away. It just um, became a lot of it was sated. Yeah, and 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 only people could only buy so many books. So I'm hoping that Disney is like, we have to make sure that these movies have depth as cinema too, so they have legs because. God damn, we put a lot of money into this. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you something, Scott, because, you know, I, I see where you're, what you're saying. And to a certain degree, I agree with you because it's Star Wars. However, let, let me let me ask you it this way. 
because it, it, it occurs to me that Star Wars has not yet not yet had that trial by fire that other franchises have had. Not yet. Some people may argue the the prequel trilogy. I don't. But see if you follow me on this. Okay. You know, you you said that you know because they they are capitalists and they have to make money and they have to make bank. They have to go for the the more popular audience as opposed to their built in fan base audience. And from a dollars and cents perspective, I, I understand that. I see that. However, history is not exactly bearing that out. Because you had, you know, the two best examples I can give is DC Comics and the Star Trek franchise, both of which took an active piss on their fan base and are now paying the consequences of that. DC Comics is in the toilet and the Star Trek franchise weathered one bad movie, but not two, and now have lost their fan base. So... Could that potentially happen to Star Wars, which is my fear that while they're going to shoot for this mass audience, that if they do enough things and, you know, I, I lurk a lot of places online. I see what people are saying. It's begun. A lot of people with the disillusion of the EU have already, you know, kind of been, you know, they're, they're on that fence going, you know, why are you doing this to us? I, I've propped you up for 40 years and now you're throwing me away. If they continue to head in that direction and the fran the fans become more and more disenfranchised, could that be a bad move to go for that, you know, let's make the big bucks now, but ultimately the fans that have been there, now you don't have those people. That's been my argument all along against doing things like reboots and, and whatever that, that disenfranchise your fan base because, okay, you might make tons of money up front, but now the people that stay in those trenches, that stay behind in those seats and do more than just watch a movie or, or buy a, you know, the occasional book, but are there day after day, year after year supporting the franchise, now they're not there. Long term, it, does your decision to do what you did make financial sense? And that's what I wonder with Star Wars is... You know, will it will Star will Star Wars be the one franchise that could weather that? Because up till now, I think Star Wars is the is the one franchise that has. You know, Disney well, Disney are not short term think. Hollywood are, is short term, no. but Disney is not a short term thinking organization. They 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 there there was a time period where they were not thinking right, and they were floundering and then when they when they you know sort of had their second renaissance ever since then i think disney has planned stuff out really with the future in mind so that's i mean into like you can take into darkness where they were like everybody you know when people talk fans and critics alike talk about star trek Wrath mm, Khan, yum, 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 best written. And uh, so I, I sort of saw, you know, the same thing. And, and here you have the same J.J. Um, Abrams, and you hear talk saying, ah, the greatest Star Wars, um, Empire Strikes Back, yum, 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 critics love it, you know, story, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my initial fear is that, when they look at that and they go, okay, you know, everybody says this is a great, you know, best made Star Wars movie. Let's work from that. It seems to me like a lot of times when they, like with Wrath of Khan, they look at it and they take the surface elements of it. 
But yes. on episode seven, they went and got Lawrence Kasdan, who is a really good writer and and wrote actually wrote, was one of the reasons why Empire Strikes Back was really good that he was that he was writing on it and put that depth into the story makes me think that 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 they understand that the reason Empire Strikes Back was so good wasn't just walkers are cool, you know. Oh yeah, let's 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 get some snow in this movie because that was in in Empire Strikes but you know stuff like that. I I I think I hope that they are they are thinking Empire was so good because the story, you know, it took Star Wars and then added depth and character to that story while maintaining the adventure aspect of it. And if they can pull that off that it's pro- they're probably going to be better than the prequels. Are we going to get something on the level of the original trilogy? One can only pray, <laughs> but I I don't know if I could ever let myself believe that's even possible. You know, so I'm hoping that that combination of I like the people involved and lowered, you know, not I'm not going to be in the seat being like, okay, I want my star, you know, I want the experience of eight years old at Star Wars again. I want so, I want bits and pieces of that. I want to get that while watching the movie. But it, it, to me, I, I can't sense anything coming out of this movie. <laughs> I have no idea story-wise or whatever what it could be. And that in its own way is terrifying because I know it could just go either way or no way or it could just go in a neutral way. I, I would almost be more... Um, disappointed if it if I was neutral about it, you know, if I didn't really like it or be like, ah, they blew it, you know. So I don't know, you know, if I was neutral, it might be just a very homogenized Star Wars, <sighs> you know. And I also want to actually dispute Scott what you said at the ve- way back about how you don't normally you don't want to go. I don't think you went negative on this. And I don't think it's necessarily out of our our um, the 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 way we look at stuff on growing up Star Wars, you know, because it's all sort of in the context of of the old Star Wars stuff. But I didn't think you were complete completely negative on it. I thought it was what a critique is. You know, you took the good and the bad, and you said why you liked the stuff that you liked and the and the stuff that you didn't like, and the stuff that you didn't like didn't make you you know. Ignore the stuff that you liked. So don't be so hard on yourself, man. I think it's I th- I'd rather have a real conversation on on this comic than being like, hey, I loved it, you know. Oh, hey, I hated it, you know. No, and I think you're I think you're right for that. Uh, Scott, uh, you know, going back to the trying to make it appeal to the masses thing and you mentioned Star Trek as an example where it worked once, but they didn't sit for it a second time. And I want to know what you mean by that. I know what he meant by that. I think a lot of fans either genuinely believed or they convinced themselves that the Abrams reboot, the 2009 movie, was okay. That, okay, wasn't what I wanted, but all right, okay. I'm living proof of what you're saying. But then the next one comes around, and by the second time around, they realized they'd been duped. And, and they, were, they were dissatisfied, and they realized if they hadn't already, they realized by the second movie, 
we've been thrown in the trash, meaning the fans, the the ones that had been, you know, there, you know, all along. That's me. That that's what I meant by that. I mean, do you do you agree or disagree or? I think it may be a little more localized phenomenon than you think. I mean, look, I I have that feeling. I, when the first one came out, I walked out and said, you know, that was a pretty good Star Wars movie, but it wasn't Star Trek. The second one came out, and by the end of it, I was angry because I thought it was mm-hmm. a lazy, shoddy script. Mm-hmm. Um, but that having been said, it's the second highest Star Trek movie, highest grossing Star Trek movie ever made. Yeah, but you know what? Nobody that means cares. Nothing. And, that means and wait, nothing wait, wait, at all. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, it does mean something. Hang on. If adjusted for inflation, it outgrossed The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but, but still, the the writing's on the wall after that. That though. speaks to your point of the popular audience. But what I'm talking yeah. about is the fan base, because where I go and where I've seen and and the things that I'm witnessing, it is few and far between the people that are that were Star Trek fans that will say glowing things about that movie. It is generally. The, the fanboy that, that came in at the 2009 movie that thinks, all right, finally, Star Trek's not stupid anymore. They're the ones that are going and putting asses in the seats for that movie, you know, for that second movie and, and embracing it. But the fans, what, you know, what ones were left, most of them mentally checked out by at least this, you know, by the second movie at, at the latest. And that's what I'm saying is that you're, you've, you've flipped you you know you've lost your your fan base chasing this this new audience. I mean if it is truly the highest grossing movies then you know kudos to them. They won. You know they they did what they set out to do which was make more money for Star Trek. But in the long run are these people that are going and buying a movie ticket for Into Darkness are they the same people that are now going to buy figurines and merchandise and go to conventions and spend books. money on autographs and books and CDs and soundtracks and comic books. I doubt it. I really don't believe that that's going to, I, you know, and maybe I'm dead wrong, but that's just how I see it. And so that's why I question the logic of doing something that drives away your fan base because it, to me, and I'm no businessman, so maybe I'm completely wrong. It seems more logical to chase the fan base you've already got, win them back first. And in that process, if you're telling a good story that appeals to people, then you will win new people in. Up until the, the Star Trek reboot, they didn't try to reinvent the wheel. They just tried to tell a good story. And through that process of telling a good story, you would win new fans. That's how a fan base is built. But now all of a sudden there's this mentality that goes across all fandoms that says that you have to scrape them off every couple of years. And I think that's bullshit to treat people that way. Here's what Star Trek Into Darkness making all that money pretty much guaranteed you're going to have Star Trek Mm 3. But here's the problem with if you and I'm one of those people I'll stick with stuff. And I and I was I was. I was kind of psyched about Into Darkness until I read a couple of the spoilers, and then I was like, if these spoilers are true, then that's terrible, terrible writing, like just execrable writing, and it was true. And then when I'm sitting in the movie theater realizing it was all true, it was just like, this is really bad. You know, no matter what you say about Star Trek V or or whatever, this is really bad. It's just ignoring just the laws of good writing, (laughs) <laughs> much less good Star Trek writing, you know, and uh, 
and and I and instantly I lost interest and I did I le- left the movie theater angry and I don't often leave a movie theater angry maybe bemused or like making fun of something but the, you know I was I was in Scott Gardner mode of like steamed of what they did to Star Trek and the problem with it is is when it comes time to reboot these movies or a new movie is coming out they rely on that fan base to generate mm-hmm. it, to start the fire of that interest. The fan base is the ones that they come to first and go, there's a new Star Trek movie coming, Trekkies. And then it becomes a bit, then it's not just a new action movie coming out, which all the people who go see action movies, like my coworkers, they all went to see the, the, the latest X-Men movie. But, you know, it was just they went to the movies, you know, and saw it. And they and they remember, like, seeing the other X-Men movies on video, you know, or when they were kids or whatever. But it was just, you know, we're going to the movies. And the, the, you can get a lot of people to go see Star Trek and Star Wars because it's like, ah, it's a Star Wars movie, blah, blah, blah. But in the beginning phases of when you're plugging it... <laughs> It's those fans that, that like, buy, like, all of a sudden Entertainment Weekly magazine, you know, gets a kick up in their in their issue sales because, you know, there's a cover announcing the new Star Trek movie and all the fans are excited. And all of a sudden this movie becomes something of an event where, and you can write stories about how the fan they, you know, they do it. They write stories about how the fans are excited or how the fans don't want to be... Or the fans are throwing a party and they're all dressing up like Star Trek characters and stuff like that. And that is what brings those movies up and above just your standard, you know, blockbuster that comes out, makes its money and goes away, maybe gets a sequel or two or whatever, but nobody really cares. You know, you can put, you can make Star Wars and Star Trek movies where, you know, that are going to make money and people will walk in and go like, oh, it was fun when they were done, you know, I didn't think about it too much. It was fun good way to spend a couple hours on a Saturday afternoon. And you may be not as able to do that if you don't have the fans giving it that extra, that extra gravitas, that extra gravity to the, to the franchise, you know, the excitement about seeing it. Guardians of the Galaxy is a prime example of that, of where it was like Marvel's putting out this crazy movie. Nobody really cared, but the comic book fans went oh my god rocket raccoon you know and all of a sudden it was something people were talking about before the movie came out you know what is this thing why are people why are these people excited so excited about a stupid raccoon so you need those fans star wars was never embattled star trek actually had its was resuscitated by fans a couple three times you know well i mean that's one of my concerns though is like how how much and how long can can star wars take i hope star wars doesn't have to die and be resuscitated but maybe 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 a resuscitation will will make the fan you know make it more you know that maybe if it becomes the job of the fans to resuscitate it I see. I just don't want to see Star Wars make the same mistakes. I think some of these other franchises are making. You know, at the moment, DC has done a complete 180, where they're now chasing their older fans with this event that they've got going on. Going, hey, hey, we're pandering to you. Come on back. Come on back. And I'm like, you know what, man? Once bitten, twice shy. I, I'm not so sure. 
I want to come back because didn't you show me the door not long ago and, and you weren't too nice about it, you know? Now you're going to have to wait. Now if they want you, they could get you back into a Superman movie, but you're going to have to hear about it afterwards. You're going to have to hear some people that you right. trust go, no, Scott, I think um, I think you might like this this time. Right. You know? Or something like that. You know, they're not just going to get you in the... Uh, it didn't happen with right. Man of Steel. They didn't no. get you in the door just because it was a comic book movie. Right. So maybe there'll be... Th this will force... I mean, I think with Into Darkness, they knew. They knew they screwed up, even though they made all that money. And stuff started getting shuffled around. And and the instead of like, hey... Instead of being well, just like, hey, there's a new Star Trek movie. They're going like... Hey guys, we're gonna try and fix it this time. Look, we put a real writer on it now, and don't, but it. don't you don't you think they shuffled it around because they lost their director? Yeah, I think they knew they were gonna lose their director, but the, it's the tone in which they in, presented the shuffling around, and the the manner in which they presented it, which kind of had a little contriteness to it. You know, it has a little bit of, you know, there, uh, it's. What I want to, here's you know, the thing. I'm going to I'm going to give the current Star Trek people a lot more credit than I think they deserve with what I'm about to say, but here's kind of what I think Chris is hinting at and I actually agree with him is that I think historically speaking, you can have a Star Trek movie that comes out and does gangbusters, but critically it was a failure and I think somebody's paying attention. It happened with Star Trek the Motion Picture. That movie made a ton of money. Now retroactively it has come to be known as this big epic failure. That's simply not true. In reality, it no, made in numbers. Fact, but in fact adjusted for inflation it's the second highest the critics There you go. But critically darkness. it didn't do well with the fans. You know, there was there, there's no. a famous quote on uh, on Lights Camera's action with uh, Leonard Nimoy where he said fans went over and over again so that they could discuss in great detail the things they did not like. I don't think that happens anymore, but my point is somebody sat up and made took notice that despite the numbers the movie did, fans didn't like the the film and I do think that they're trying. I'll give them this much. I think they're trying with the next installment, but how we got into into darkness is beyond me because that's not where I was trying to steer this <laughs> all, thing. But it's all tied in. I, I just want to say that I I feel badly because I feel like like it was not my intention, but I feel like I have constantly shouted Scott down in this episode, and I deeply apologize, dude. I, I respect your opinion, and I really want to hear what you think about this. Well, what what I want to say is, first off, when you look at Star Trek's Into Darkness, the tomato meter, the critical assessment was eighty seven percent positive. Yeah, I know. Audience, Isn't that crazy? The, the audience score was ninety percent positive. So when you talk about the fans and fan service, the part of the problem is the genuine, the true, the hardcore fans are such a tiny sliver of your audience. I think you've got to serve them to a degree, but in the end, let me just say I would rather sell six million more movie tickets than twenty thousand comic books. And so when you're trying to figure out what balance to strike, I think you've got to pay some fan service. But in the end of, at the end of the day, the future of the program or the future of a product lies in its overall larger scale mainstream appeal and not niche fan service. Uh, there will never be a Buffy the Vampire Slayer land at a Disney park. And there's a reason for that, because she's a niche thing. There's a reason why no X-Files movie has ever been successful, because it's a niche product. It's a niche uh, uh, it's a niche taste. It's a it has a niche following. 
But Star Wars is a larger, broader, mainstream thing, but we have that niche of fandom that was EU, 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 and I was part of it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the first thing I said when I heard that Disney bought Star Wars, Disney bought Lucasfilm, was that's it for the EU. Because I knew that I, as a businessman, if I were if I were in charge, the first thing I would have done is jettison to EU. I would have done it probably sooner than they did, although I'm sure they were only doing it too. when they did it because they had to satisfy some contracts. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I would have flushed it out the window immediately and said, all right, guys, guess what? It all ends here. And I'd have paid some people off to walk away from some contracts just to just to move forward with a clean slate immediately because they're just it, it, it was just too big, too large. There was too much to ask the mainstream you know, guy on Main Street to, to want to up on. get him. Yeah, to want to even get involved in. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you guys something since we're since we're off franchise here for a second. Uh, when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, I said, "No, this is interesting because I'd never read Lord of the Rings, and I, I have copies of it, but I've just never gotten around to it. And I know people who are diehard passionate about it. And I saw the first one. I bought the DVD and I watched. And I went, "Yeah, that's okay." And the second one came out, and a buddy of mine was in town from Japan. And he wanted to see it because it wasn't going to come out for several months in Japan. So I said, all right, I'll go see it. And I spent the entire movie, the second Lord of the Rings, I spent the entire movie going, who's, who's that? What, what's the, and who's, and what, and why is this is guy fighting on? this guy? What, and why would they want to fight each other? I don't even understand any of this. And I had no clue what was happening because it was so intensely fan motivated. It got them by for a little while, but these Hobbit movies are not exactly doing what they should have been doing in America. Far from it. I, I, I think when you get to the esoteric level with the fans and you try to service every single whim of the fans, I think you also get in trouble because fans disagree wildly. Well, there's that. also some fans who want some shit that I don't want to see, you know? I mean, yeah, there's, there's yeah. some fans who want some really, who would want some, you know, some fans are going to want some really stupid shit. Yes. You know? Absolutely. But I, my, my demand, and when you're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Superman, you're not just talking franchises, you're talking franchises with deep cultural roots. Mm -hmm. Now, like Superman has like the time of cultural roots. Star Wars, Star Trek more so than Star Wars, but Star Star Wars is also was based on, you know, the you know, myth. I think Star Wars sank deeper though. I think it, it put deeper roots than Star Trek into the culture. Into the culture. Oh, it, I mean, when it came out, it spoke instantly to the culture on a way larger scale than when Star Trek first came out. Star Trek took years, but it's but Star Trek was also built on a philosophy, built on ideas. It was also built for money. It was also built with the realization that, like, hey, we can't do this stuff really realistically, but we're going to put an idea behind it. We're going to build the real characters, build the world, and there's a depth to it you know that's why nasa was like grabbing onto star trek from the very beginning and why star wars just went boom into everybody's head young and old when it came out yeah. and to and there's um a temptation after that's existed for many years that you could you can get away with just using the the you know physical elements of it and and tropes of it to to get by and you can you can tell a decent star wars story with with just you know the spaceships and the general feel of star wars but you need that deeper that deeper generational character thing to really make it truly a last forever movie and that's the problem with a lot of reboots and 
and remakes and kickstarts or whatever the hell you want to call them is you often often end up with something that people go in and and they enjoy it and they walk out and then it's done you know it's not something that is going to spawn podcasts 20 years down the line with people you know spending years of their lives talking about it it was something that they spent an hour and a half of their lives with and then forgot about yeah, and the it's avatar. not an unpleasant experience. Maybe they even enjoyed it a lot. But, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. I really don't remember what happened in it, but I remember the scene where the big thing shot at the little thing. And, and that's sad because a lot of times those are based on things that have changed people's courses in life and stuff like that, you know. And then, and then they can often end up being just, you know, a trifle like something else or, you know, or just a one-shot weird thing and i often wonder why they bother like you know stuff like the robocop reboot that i saw and i was like that was a decent little movie and it even had a little bit of thought in in it but it was you know the first robocop is just like this perfect movie why why you know mm-hmm. why 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 would i want to spend another hour and a half with the remake robocop when i have the original one and so you, you get a watch out of it. You get a little bit of uh, excitement over it for a little amount of time, and then it's over. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we're pissing against the wind wanting more, you know. I don't know um, if that's – it's it's frustrating. <laughs> All I can do is wait with the Star Trek. I It's just too emotionally draining to get scared yet, you know, mm. until I'm sitting in the movie theater, and then and then we'll see. But but now Scott, are you saying that this Star Wars comic is totally unacceptable to you? Are you not going to continue? <laughs> here's the here's the that's very, a good question. Here's the funny thing, is uh, they got my money, you know, because despite how I feel about it, at the end of the day, it's Marvel, it's Star Wars, and you know I'm on board, and I'm intrigued enough by the last panel to uh, to go okay. I got I got to see what happens next. So that, which may, that's why which I'm may, saying you're not being negative. Which may exactly though also be why they don't need to be intense fan service people because they got you. See, I think I've said something to to mischaracterize my my argument though is that I I'm, I'm not talking about fan service. So something I've said is has hit you guys the wrong way, I think. What I what I'm talking about is writing real Star Wars as opposed to writing something that's for the masses that is not as uh it's shallow, a shallow. Yeah, it's shallow, exactly. Yes, and, and that's what I'm talking about. I, I don't, I don't like fan wankery. I really don't. I don't like it when it comes across blatantly as that. You are pandering to me just because I'm a fan of this franchise because you think that's what I like and that's what I'm going to get excited about. That offends me. I, I'd rather you just tell me a good story that feels like what it's supposed to feel like. That's my problem with this issue. Is that. This isn't written for me. This isn't written for me as a Star Wars fan who's knowledgeable about the universe and the way it works and the the logical progression of the story. This seems very much written for somebody to say, okay, you like Star Wars, right? Well, Star Wars has got Luke Skywalker, uh, Han Solo, and Princess Leia and those droid people and everything, and they fight Darth Vader, so here's the story, go. No. And And they know generally who they are. 
but they don't yet, know exactly who they exactly. are in the context of where they are in this exactly. story. Somebody like my dad could pick this issue up, read it, not discover any of the things that I pointed out, put it down and go, hey, that, that was, was a damn good Star Wars story. Somebody and like yes. me who knows the ins and outs, reads it and goes, you got this wrong, you got that wrong, this hasn't happened yet, they don't know this information. And it, and it bothers me because... That to me is not fan service. That's good writing. That's not being a lazy writer who just understands the setting, but doesn't understand the nuances of the language. And yet they sold 50 times as many copies of this as they did of a typical Dark Horse I knew you were going to say that. And, And the people that they have to worry about from your perspective, you... They've got. You admitted it. You're going to come back anyway. That's That was my question I was trying to ask you before, though, is that how long can Star Wars weather that? How long can Star Wars or Disney or whoever bank on the fact of you're a Star Wars fan, we know you're a Star Wars fan, you'll buy any damn thing, and we know you'll buy any damn thing, so we don't have to try that hard. How long can they bank on that? Because I assure you, DC Comics and Star Trek thought the exact same thing, and now look at the shit that they're yep. in. That's my fear with this. That's the ultimate extension of this entire line of logic that I'm on, is how long can they ride that train before somebody finally decides, you know what, let me the hell off, because you're no longer producing the product that I fell in love with. And I'm telling you, dude, I'm approaching that stop. I'm getting there. It's just a feeling, but it ain't a good feeling. I've had it for a while now, and reading this and seeing that stupid teaser trailer has just really set me to thinking, I, I don't think I'm going to like where this ride's going to go. And it and yep. it worries me because this is Star Wars. You know, but this is the big one. what I'm going to tell you one. is I've read a lot of websites that have reviewed this book, and they love it. That's why I was very nervous to, to do this episode and, and to take this <laughs> approach, because once again, I don't want to be the Dark Knight guy. You know, I don't mm. want to be the lone idiot out there and everybody else is going, you're out of your mind. It's awesome. You know, because I've been there one too many times. All your uh, a you didn't really say this sucks. You pointed no, out the no, stuff you that you didn't And I like don't think it does. I actually kind of no, liked it, but I feel almost guilty for liking it because it's kind of stupid. Well, the it's, thing is, it's the way not hitting it the way it should. The, the points that you point out are valid points and that you can point to the reasons for it. That's, that's my most important thing when somebody's praising or, or trashing a move. Well, you can also, you can preface it by saying, this is just my emotional response. I hated it. I loved it. But when somebody's going to be like, I'm critiquing this, I just want reasons. If they like it and they don't like it, I I, I want to know why. And then I don't really, you know, I don't really care to be like, I want to change your mind. I just I like the the comparison of reasons for liking and not liking something. And the thing is, you give valid reasons. You pointed out a, a couple things in there that I did not notice at all that were were told that slipped by me. But that's the thing is maybe a few things are going to slip by every big old Star Wars fan, but everything isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, I almost don't, ex- you know, I didn't expect it to be written totally for me because I'm afraid if it was written totally for me, 
Well, no, you know, actually, if it was written totally for me, I think it would still sell a million copies. <laughs> uh, I'd like to harder think so. to, It would be harder to write it for me. It would take more time because you'd have to put more, you know, really, like, sit down and, like, really think about the characters, like, like uh, Scott was just talking about, saying, would this character do this at, at this point? And, you know, I mean, a lot of the, the problems with this, I think, come just from the way they write and do comics these days. So mm -hmm. it's like you're just going to get that in a Star Wars comic. So I don't really, I don't use this as any kind of, you know, meter of what the movie's going to be like because it's removed from, uh, a, a, nobody involved in this comic knows, probably knows anything about the story or anything in the movie. But it didn't have to pass by the story group now. Does it or doesn't it? Yeah, everything does. Everything does? Yes. So and that, somebody with knowledge passed this by. Right, right. But, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> but, the, yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, a lot of, uh, and a lot of the things that, yeah, I, and I hope that they weren't calling for the, I, you know, I'd love to know how this was put together. I'd love to know if, you know, if it was from the comics end or maybe from the story group end where they were going, oh, you might want to put some of this in, put some of that in. I mean, it would be really nice if they if they integrated them in, so they could put some. Although this would go against Scott's rule, they could put some stuff that might chime in in episode seven. You know, that they could throw in into the storyline and here. That, I'm equally shocked that they're not doing that with the fact that you guys kind of shot that down. I, I'm surprised you feel that way because I that to me just seems to make logical sense. Why wouldn't you want to? feed you know feed that synergy but also you know kind of kind of feed that expectation you know what i mean to, to make the whole thing tie in i would like that myself in the stories and i would love i would love that to get some hints into episode seven but at the same time i just it's a star wars movie you know there's there's a traditional level of just absolute secrecy well, yeah, but you know, they're, this time they could do it so much more controlled than they did before because it's all in house. You know it, what I mean? It, it, maybe they are. Maybe they maybe they are planning on doing it, and it'll be stuff that we won't notice until we see episode seven and go, oh, okay, you know. That's true. But there's also the fact that when you talk about mainstream appeal, Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, three PO, R two, Darth Vader, the That's Empire's intact. That is the that is the state of Star Wars that people most associate with. Right. That is what people, when you ask them what they want out of Star Wars, they want the good guys fighting the Empire. They want Darth Vader to be the main bad guy. They want Luke and Solo and Chewie and Leia to be the main good guys. And all and that's, friends. That's what people want. And it's it's the it is it is also to me the richest period of Star Wars storytelling because you do have all those great pieces on the board. And so, yeah, I, I, I think if you launch a Star Wars series, and, and again, remember, and one of the things that's not been talked about here today, and it's not been talked about, I've noticed a lot of fan coverage has not talked about this lately, uh, but it's very true. Actually, some people have denied this lately in a couple of podcasts, but I, I think it's very true, is that the main thrust of this marketing campaign for this film is this is the old Star Wars. And what better way to do that with the launch of Marvel than to go give you the old Star Wars? Yeah, that's that's what alternately inspires and scares me <laughs> at the same time. Because yeah. it's like, 
the right. the interpretation of what the old Star Wars is is yeah. obviously so different from person to person that Yep, and and you know, I saw a lot of people when they were talking about the trailer when the when the teaser came out. Everybody kept, well, they're obviously sending a sign that this isn't the old Star Wars. This, they're sending a sign this isn't your dad's Star Wars. It's something new and different. And 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 my take on the teaser was they went, oh geez, we weren't planning on having a teaser out now. Now they want us to have a teaser out. What do we have finished that we can't that that won't tell yeah, anything what, important? Yeah. What yes. what what is the effect shop got done? Okay, let's put all that together and let's put out a track because that's what it looked like to me. It didn't yes. look like that, them making a statement that it's not your father's star. In fact, when they stand, stand up and say things like, we're shooting on real film and we're using real miniatures, they're saying to you, that's code word for this is your old Star Wars. And a lot of the campaign has been about this is your old Star Wars. I, and, and I think that's what a lot of this launch of Marvel Star Wars number one has been. There's going to be a, you know, with the Darth Vader series that I think is ongoing and the Princess Leia mini series that's going to be all tied into that same continuity. They're focusing on this period between Star Wars and Empire because it is, it's the period most people want to see. Here's it's the thing, Star too. Wars. Now there's a Marvel Star Wars. Maybe these writers and artists will last. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll be like the old Marvel Star Wars and we'll have periods where somebody else will take over and then all of a sudden we'll have like somebody who's really got like um oh my guess is you've got aaron and cassidy for an arc and then it's i think they're gonna go by the trade arc is what they're gonna okay. do i mean that's just the modern I, model who, who well, wrote that darth vader purge series oh remember that was that stradley Hmm? I was thinking Blackman wrote oh, it. Oh, yeah, it, it probably Blackman. Yeah. You know, I mean, talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah, no that, that that series kind of had its shit together. I thought yeah. Star Wars wise, and it really that one was one that really stood out. You know. Oh, I'm sorry, it was John Ostrander. I, I apologize. But um, you know, who knows? Down the line, a couple arcs down, we might get something amazing it might take a different direction or and there's you know there's a darth vader and a princess leia book coming out too and who knows maybe one of those and what i like about those is ah, i'm not really interested in buying them i'll probably buy them to check them out but if they turn out to be really good you know after a few issues of and after a few issues of star wars doesn't turn out to be really good i might drop star wars like a hot potato for another uh, star wars title that that works you know, we'll see how it goes. The, the uh, to me, the, the there's a Marvel Star Wars is 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 a good thing because it's it it's I enjoyed it. I um didn't enjoy it any more than I did the average Dark Horse comic, but I enjoyed those too. But not in a you know go out and celebrate type manner. So. I didn't expect to go out and celebrate. If if it w if that would have happened, oh my god, what a great comic that would have been. But <laughs> they don't make comics like that anymore. You know, they right. they 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 literally do not make comics like that anymore. And out of the materials, the art, the it's just it's gone. So I think we got about as uh, as best as we could hope for. It needs some brushing up in in the writing area in the character area but i will agree with you on that that's something to uh to ask you know chris you just addressed it and i i did it as well uh scott are you continuing are you planning to continue on with this yes okay oh yeah. are you kidding me <laughs> I, so, I, he's gonna buy every he's you've got to <laughs> buy every single one right i mean right you just i've i've, I've got a pretty 
firm commitment to Marvel Star Wars, period. Not to mention the fact that I own the domain MarvelStarWars.com. Right, right. right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. if you opened you it go. up and it was like a series of thumbprints every issue, I think you would almost have to have it. <laughs> I would I, would I understand that. I, I'm not mocking. I am mocking you a little, but I totally understand. <laughs> well, then... Uh... But I, but I am, but let me also say, I didn't dislike the issue. I disliked things about the issue. Right. But I didn't, in the overall, dislike the issue. Yeah. I disliked the pacing. I disliked some of the art towards the end. I, I have some of the same issues with story that you have. Um, I don't have other issues. I mean, you know, again, I think they live in a larger universe. I think it's unfair to not allow them to show that larger universe. It's To me, it's unfair to take some of the, some of the toys out of the t- sandbox and say, can't play with these toys, sorry. Uh, unless it's for story reasons that you take it off the table. You know, the, 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 Luke's parentage obviously has to be off the table for storytelling purposes. But keeping AT-ATs off the table, I don't see any reason for that. But in the overall, I liked the issue. Is it going to be $5 from here on out, though? Oh, God, is, it, is it just for this issue? I don't know. That was ridiculous. Yeah. That, five bucks for an issue of anything is absolutely I'm, ridiculous. I'm a little sketchy on adding another $5 into my budget. I'll do it, but it's like I was hoping that that was just for the premiere issue excitedness. Yeah, I hope you're right. Will this be a staple of growing up Star Wars? Uh, well, yeah, it's up know? to the comic, isn't it? I think. Okay. <laughs> This this show is the show that kind of rose out of the conclusion of you guys' summary of all Marvel Star Wars. It may, it may have to be part of it. I like the idea of Marvel Star Wars coming back into a podcast. Yeah, I do too. I'm yeah. I figured both of you brought <laughs> 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 us all together. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, 
please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. As Luke, lightsaber at the ready, turns to find himself face to face with the Dark Lord of the Smith, Kenobi says simply, run. Dark Lord of the Smith? <laughs> Is that what I said? Yes. Did I say Smith? Well, yeah. he was there to wish him an unhappy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> did I say Smith, really? Because I'll read that again if I did. Yes, you did. Did I say that? All right. Dude, I really did feel like I was stepping on you like crazy this episode, and I apologize. Your your volume on my end is slightly lower than Chris's, and mm. so it, there was a um, couple of times where you were fighting to get in there, and I'm like, oh, Scott's trying to say something. But you didn't stop. You just said, though, Scott's trying to say something. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I, I, I knew you had things to say, and there weren't gaps. I was trying to jump into the gaps, and I didn't do a good enough job of getting into the gaps. But uh, but I think I made the points I needed to make. So I was just going to say, did you get to say everything that you wanted to say, though? That yeah, That's important so, to me. I just, you know, here's, let me let me say what I, the one thing that I think I, one thing that I will say that I I think I probably wanted to say but didn't get to is that, you know, I, I'm in radio. I do, I'm a programmer. You know, right. I, I program radio stations. And we have a rock station. We have a playlist of about 300 songs on that rock station. It's not gigantic. And you get people, you get these guys who are your diehard listeners, and they are your diehard listeners. And they want to know why you didn't play the fourth song on side two of some big album that was never a hit, that was never a single, that was never issued, but it was some deep album cut. And if we catered to those guys and said, all right, fine, other than the occasional bone, if we made it all about catering to them and their their fourth song on You'd side be college two, radio, yeah, we yeah we wouldn't have an audience. And but see that's again kind of what I think that about. that tells me that you 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 misunderstood what I was going for here. And it, well, well, actually, what it tells me is that I failed to convey my what I'm trying to convey with this, which is that I don't want anybody to cater to me. What I want is them to do the franchise i want them to do a star wars story and i don't feel like that's what at the end of the day i don't feel like this serviced star wars i think i feel like this serviced this this popular perception of star wars so this was meant to appeal to everybody and i hate that shit when when it comes down to it when it comes down to it it comes down to not you you want more work put into it yeah because you can make it you can make it to where everybody likes it and it's the real thing. And exactly. when you do that, you know that's when it explodes into, like, the critics love it and the people who watch it love it and the fans love it. That's when you get those wonderful things like the Avengers right. or something like that where there's where they put the extra effort in to understand it and have it come through. And I don't necessarily expect them to have the time and money and maybe even the talent at a comic, uh, you know, I mean, 
but by the way the comic business sounds, I'm not really sure how talented the talent is, you know, because you can't pay people to to you know you can, maybe they can't pay to get the really to get really good people in there and they can't screw the really good artists like they used to in the old you know in the good olden days so you might end up with a a, a lower quality product a lot of times you know a product with less time put into it well, I just I don't think that they I don't think this was a, a product with where they couldn't afford the quality guys. I think they're willing to pay for the quality guys. I think they got the quality guys. But I also think that good Star Wars is different things to different people. One thing, for example, Heir to the Empire. How many people, when Disney bought bought Lucasfilm, insisted that the only way to make a good sequel trilogy was to adapt those Zahn novels? I will tell you now, I would have slit my f***ing wrists if that had been the plan. Because it's, to me, not good Star Wars at all. Not even close, but to a lot of Star Wars geeks, it is. Right. You know, to to a lot of Star Wars geeks, it's perfect. Oh, the podcast awards yeah, had a long. Oh, yeah. oh, Alan has his own podcast awards. Did we win anything? We yeah. were nominated three times, and we won for one. Oh, excellent! What did we win? We won the Back from the Dead award for uh, for uh, Tales of the JSA. Tales of the yeah. There it is, yeah. We were nominated for Best Podcast of 2014 for earning, or Best New Podcast for Earning My Ears and Favorite yep. Overall Podcast for uh, Comics Monthly Monday. So not too shabby, dude. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Covered all of our podcasters, so I, I like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, it's funny. I had a long talk last night about the podcast awards and why I didn't want to spend a hundred why why would be my vote not to spend 150 dollars on a nomination why would you pay somebody for for them to maybe give you an award because it's this this is standard in the music business too and when this first started remember scott this we were there the first year this guy started this and i told you this guy is an entrepreneur he's he he was a fat middle-aged guy not that there's anything wrong with that Hey, wait but he was like the, you know, he's one of those producer guys. He saw podcasts were getting big. This started in 2008 when it was like podcasts were a big deal that year, and it's a scheme, and it's not a totally like when when you give him the hundred and fifty dollars, you're you're entered into it, but you also get a bunch of promotion and advertising from him that gets put on other podcasts and. So theoretically, if he does his job and promotes his stuff, he will get you a hundred and you know roughly a hundred like a hundred and fifty dollars worth of advertising, and then you do you you do all the promotion trying to run up the people to go vote for you. So you do all that legwork, but the problem with it is is you're in you're you're in the running with podcasters who get you know four or five million downloads per right. episode. Right. You know, and they're they're gonna win. So basically it's a way to get a hundred and fifty dollars from now, like with two true freaks, I think we're at a level enough that where we could get on maybe a more obscure one and maybe even win, you know, with our with our fan base. But we'd have to work really hard at it or whatever. But like it they're gonna make they make so much money off the like 
people who just start off with their podcast and then their friend nominates them because they like them. And then they go, oh, my God. And then they pay the $150. And it's just basically shooting that $150 out the window and putting that $150 in the big prize that the... Dude, the only recognition I care about is recognition of my peers. And I don't give a f about the podcast awards. I really don't, you know? Yeah, and I, I like that we don't push controversy, clickbaity shit. I love, I, I love that we stay away from all that and we seem to be thriving for it, so... Yeah, clickbait drives me nuts. I took oh. a vow. I took a vow on my show to not engage in any clickbait. To bait. not ever click on those things and yeah. like and and I'm I always have to fight my urge to like uh, to just leave people alone when they do those like which blank are you you know and I almost <laughs> want to go like could you please just not do this you're 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 just paying somebody to make more of this yep. bullshit and and it's so obviously like just somebody wanting to talk about themselves and you know where they, the flimsiest excuse to do it you know where they they still get me and i still haven't been able to shake it they will often make tits and ass part of it and i still can't walk away from that <laughs> that's I, the, scott's laughing because well we all know i mean it's just like you can't you can't help it you can't I help know it nothing. It, <laughs> <you see? laughs> tits and ass on a thumbnail it's just never going to not work. <laughs> Do you think I'm going to catch hell for this? I mean, no. is it going to is it going to be another one of those kind of episodes? Are you kidding me, man? People are waiting for people want people want you to do worse. People want you to come out and like froth at the mouth about stuff. They love that shit. I personally I don't care I just and I was prepared to, to do that, so it helped that you guys opinion. interrupted me after every single note, because <laughs> then it just I, you kept you kept kind of calming me back down. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I just want your honest opinion. I don't, yeah. I, 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 don't want you to froth at the mouth because you think people want you to froth at the mouth, and I don't want you to not froth at the mouth because because you're scared to because right. you uh, you don't like you don't want people to react to it in certain ways. But, you know, I mean, that's the nature of having a, a strong opinion. And sometimes, you know, if, 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 it's, if it's your honest opinion, just go for it. And, and the thing about it is sometimes you, there's two kinds of Scott Gardner arguments. There's one kind of Scott Gardner argument that nobody's going to win you or them in the argument because it's the emotional argument. It's where you're like, this is not my this. I don't like it, you know. And then there's the argument where it's like, this is this is why I don't like this because this didn't work in this way and there's a something you can show it's it's like basically a mistake and the and the emotional is is completely valid because everybody has their emotional feeling on something right and when people get upset because you emotionally don't like something and then they want to change your mind on it that's just like the biggest fool's errand ever for for anything it's just like ah, oh, no you feel that way you know and i feel this way but it's like some people feel that they don't want other people to feel that you know they want them to to like it you know like they like it or whatever and that's where the butt hurt comes in but i don't think there was a, there was there was there were elements of that in in this from all of us but it was mostly pretty much a nuts and bolts discussion on it i thought you know i it was I thought we kept it reasonable. I think, yeah, I think that I, I don't know. I think this is a kind of this is the kind of stuff that people love, and and I like 
having content that's like that without doing it purposely or you know forcing it you know right yeah okay, although, when, it's, when it's real when you have real strong feelings about something and you have something to say and you've thought about what you're going to say and you say it or even if you don't th- think about it if you're just venting at the moment whatever it's still a, it's it's a real thing and and people cannot like it or not like it but we haven't gotten five six years into this the the people who don't like the people who don't like it get over it and still come back for more <laughs> you know <laughs> And the next thing, because they're, you're going to be, they're going to be right on with something, you know, the next day. Right on. So, yeah. All right. I feel you, man. Well, I was just, I was concerned. I, I know. Don't, no, don't need none of that. Nothing. Ain't nobody got time for that. 